Welcome to episode 300 of TechZing, hosted by myself, Rob Walling, Jason Vincent, <laughs> Justin <laughs> Vincent, and Jason Roberts. On today's show, I'm turning the tables on Jason and Justin, and I'm uh, leading through a bunch of the topics of the last 299 and a half episodes. And we're going to obviously not be able to get through everything today, but we're going to talk about projects they've done, unearth old memes, talk about notable guests and all kinds of stuff. So stick with us. It's probably going to be a long one. Oh, geez, a long one. I didn't eat lunch. Oh, <laughs> I'm <nice>. starving. <laughs> well, you may need to step out. Justin and I can kill Sarah. <laughs> yeah. I was I just... <laughs> Yeah. Look, luckily, I have a bunch of Soylent in my cabinet that Justin gave me. Maybe I'll just have a Soylent. I think you that's... haven't finished that yet. No, no. <laughs> but this is the perfect. This is the perfect opportunity, right? Yeah. I wonder what the shelf life is on that stuff. I think it's a, uh, a couple of years. Yeah. Well, I guess year, we'll year find out. I guess they'll find. I'll find out <laughs> the yeah. hard way if it's not. For sure. Yeah, there's a lot of people getting sick on Soylent at the moment, though, so uh, oh, maybe really? don't drink it. Jeez. <laughs> oh, I still well, drink it. Yeah. Just the powdered version, I think, right? Yeah, that's they, right, they were the powdered, powdered version. Yeah. The, the, the stuff you gave me, which was the bottled, is fine, I think. Mm, I still drink <laughs> the powdered. I have an older version of it, though, so from about a year ago. How often do you drink it? <laughs> Not frequently. It's when I'm in a situation like this where I'm really hungry and I know that I'm going to need to put something in my stomach. So it used to be once a week, once every other week, and now it's probably less than that. It's like maybe once a month when I get in a bind. But I, I think it tastes, you know, decent and it, uh, it's better than me horking down a bag of chips or something. You know, that's right, what I like. All right, now, now you got me all warm, uh, revved up. I'm going to get some right now. I'll be right back. You guys keep going. <laughs> no sweat. <laughs> <laughs> love it that's how advertising works you just basically described exactly how advertising works really right did. here oh, live. that was it that's hey awesome. so so should we run through and get your take on all the topics and then when oh yeah back we can just tell him yeah we're already done that's it it's gonna be super easy we'll just go through the hundred uh hundred shows right now easy and take. um yeah easy <laughs> was there anything uh, was there anything in that list that really stood out to you well i guess we probably need jason here before we even start getting into that don't we yeah i mean the so i've kind of i've broken things into like the projects you guys have worked on and mm -hmm. obviously we can't talk about every project there's just too many but i've kind of picked my my favorites and i think if you guys you know think there's something notable that, that i don't bring up uh you could bring that up and then i pull a couple of the memes it's nice you guys have a wiki because i was able to pull things right from that and i think there were like seven memes listed and i pulled three that i think are probably the most prominent that kind of stuff well that's thanks so much to philip monet who's been doing that and keeping that up but, but i have a question for you which is i guess maybe probably an interesting question why like you you have a lot to do with your time um why do you listen to texting? <laughs> nice. Well, I, you know, dude, it's just like we, like we just go way back. You know, I've been listening to texting since the um, the App Ignite Plugio days, and I think maybe even I'm not sure that I was around before Plugio. Although I have gone <laughs> back and listened to some early episodes, but I like keep kind of keeping tabs on what you guys are up to. Um, and hearing you guys are always up to interesting things, you know, um, even if I'm not like Jason has stuff like project superhero and he's into weightlifting <laughs> and kind of, and that's not my thing. It has never has been, but I'm interested in hearing how he thinks about it. I like how creative, yeah. smart people think about different topics. So I like that I'm exposed to things I otherwise wouldn't, would not typically be. Um, and then for you, I was like hearing, you know, your updates on kind of the entrepreneurial stuff you're up to and, um, I think you guys have a good rapport. So I, I listen, I listen to most episodes. Some episodes I, you know, don't. I wind up having the time to finish the whole thing or whatever. But I, I definitely have kept tabs on it over the years. So you like watching me bumble my way to a billion? 
It's your. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much it that's the, is that the tagline it should not no longer be that, called the tech podcast it bumble called... your way to a billion by justin vincent <laughs> <laughs> no um that's that's good um no because I've, I've always i've never asked you that but i always wondered because um you know you you ha obviously you have so much you know choice to choose from but i guess we're it's it's the story arc i guess in a way it's a little bit like just this overarching story arc of what the hell are those guys up to? That's right. <laughs> so that's awesome. Yeah, and I was worried when you took the the job at um, Digidoo. I forget what what's your company called now. That, no, that's perfect. Yeah, well, Digidoo, but we renamed it to Modern Teacher. Modern Teacher. Yep. Um, I think probably like others, I was concerned. Uh oh, is he is he done? You know, with entrepreneurial stuff because that was always the meme that I most like hearing you think and talk about. Um, and yeah. the fact that other stuff has happened since then, the um, the ill-fated one was it Starbucks delivering via bike courier? Is it what, right. When you when you brought that up the first time, I was like, "Oh, good God, no! Don't do this, man! Don't do it!" <laughs> but uh, it happens, and you learn. But now with Nugget, you know, I think that's I think it's cool that you're, um, yeah, you're kind of doing what you love, like following the passion, you know. Yeah. Well, thanks. It's true. I do. I really do love it. Actually, it's it's going well. So, uh, watch this space. Indeed. So we were we were talking right before the episode started, and I think maybe it might you know suffice to give folks just a two or three minute update on kind of what I've been up to, uh, just okay. to set the stage. Some people may not know who I am. Some people may not you know have heard heard from me since the last time I was on you, your show. You're only the most interviewed person on texting. <laughs> I mean, you've appeared more than any anyone else. So uh, if they don't know who you are, they're they're missing something. I I strive for that. Like Steve Martin on Saturday Night Live, I wanted to be the most <laughs> recurring guest. Um, well, so it's, it's gotta no. be it's gotta be close because Phil was on at least four times or something. I know. I think he might be ahead of me. Really? I don't know. Yeah. It's because he like hosted. Yeah, he like co-hosted the show, so I think he's he's got something. But I thought it was funny. Jason asked me so I, uh, to give people background. Um, I know these guys from coming on the show three four times over the past few years, and I run Microconf. Um, which you probably heard of if you listen to, to Texting, and um, I run start co-host startups for the rest of us, the podcast. And then until you know, I, until recently, well, I still do run Drip, which is an email marketing uh, and marketing automation SaaS. And right before we got on the call, so I used to live in Fresno, California, and I was telling the guys that that we moved to Minneapolis, and Jason asked why, and Justin just was razzing him because that he didn't know. And we uh, Drip was acquired. We were acquired by Lead Pages. We closed about four months ago. Which is awesome because I invested in Drip you, right out of the gate, right? Didn't you, I? You did. I think I. No, I think what happened. He is didn't I let you. I need he money. didn't let me. I literally was going. I told Sherry. I remember we were at the playground with the wives and the kids, and I said, "Listen, Sherry, I'm going to mail you a check for ten thousand dollars." Okay, you do with it what you want. I hope you invest in the company and send me back shares. And you were just like, "No, dude, don't do it. I'm not going to take your money." I mean, I did everything I could aside from shoving the cash in your in your pocket. Yeah, crazy. I knew I knew it was gonna work. I knew it was gonna work. God. Of course it was. And now and it's it, acquired. It did well. Yeah. So it was a good it was a good uh, result. And I moved out here. About half the team we we're all given the choice of whether to move, and half the team chose to come with us, and the rest is remote. And uh, so it's been a obvious. Wait, how big is it now? Yeah, we were up to 10, 10 people. <sighs> Two part time and eight full time, yeah. 
Jason's <laughs> sigh of regret for not being able to invest yeah. in There's your not, company. Yeah. There's not just fear. You know that moment, that big thing that's going off fear of missing out? This is just <laughs> being pissed because you missed out. Like, what is it? Regret for missing out? You know? Yeah. Uh, I've never not. really thought about that before. Like, entrepreneurs being selfish for not letting other people invest in their company. Yeah, but it's, a new, it's a new take. Up. Now I'm the example of that. I'm yes, the poster and you take. <laughs> awesome. I, I mean, I'm not only just like a friend. I actually helped you name it like a day before that. <laughs> That's right. Because it was going to be courier. I was trying to think of things to deliver mail and stuff. And you came up with drip on a whim at lunch, went to the bathroom, came back. You said it's got to be drip. And then you found the domain, getdrip.com, which we've, we've since changed <laughs> that domain, drip.co. Because people uh, kept calling the app Get Drip. And that was like super irritating, you know, when you, when you, because yeah. Drip is a good name. Get Drip is a terrible name for an app, right? That's just the yeah. domain. So, uh, but yeah, you totally named it. Oh, well, well, I can't complain. I mean, you know, your friendship has been enough through the years. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, this is great. I'll definitely take you out to dinner, man, when we come to Pasadena. So, That's awesome. All right, let's move on before I get pissed. Indeed. <laughs> yes, we have we have a lot to cover today, so we'll see how much how much we actually get through. It's Halloween, and um, I'm going to be heading out. I'm in Central Time, so I'm a little later than you guys. I got to take the kids out a little later before it gets dark. But I was thinking we, um, you know, I picked out some stuff, some projects, some memes, notable guests, famous blog posts, and I feel like for me, the first thing as a as an early listener that I got into was your projects. You know, it was what what you guys were working on and talking about each time. And I, I always enjoyed your thoughts on the news and Hacker News and stuff, but most importantly, I was looking forward to the the weekly updates of what you were working on. And so... Hey, wait, Rob, let me ask you a question. So yeah. when you guys first started out, you weren't talking about your projects so much. Did 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 it just so happen that you iterated the same play, the, in the same way, or did did we provide some inspiration for Starbucks the Restaurants covering sort of your own projects? I remember you guys providing inspiration for that since it cool. was, you were one of the early shows to do it. And mm. we brought that into our fold Mo early on. We were just teaching. It was all like college, the college course model, you know, of do this 10 steps to do that. And you guys right. definitely brought yourselves into it. Oh, cool. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's, yeah, that's cool. Yep. So when I started listening, Jason, you were working on Epic night, right? And you want to give the listeners a little background on kind of what that was and what happened with it? <laughs> yeah. Never so, ignite. <laughs> not ignite. Yeah, right. <laughs> Fail to, failure to ignite. <laughs> um, although people, a number of listeners would tell me that they thought I was saying epic night, not app ignite. Yeah. You know, like, uh, well, although epic night, it sounds kind of cool too. <laughs> um, yeah. So the way it started was um, after... Prezo, which is my web PowerPoint project um, that was famously not acquired by Google back in 2006. So after that whole thing didn't happen, I think it was around 2009 or something, right around the time that Justin and I started doing the show. And I was thinking that I needed to, I needed to start a new project. And um, my buddy Guyon, who he, he, I initially hired him as a contractor, worked with me on Prezo, and we just worked on that together. And, you know, we got to be good from friends over the years. And so I just said, hey, look, let's let's come up with something. And the only th and the thing I just thought of was, you know, this uh, project where you could sort of generate your web application because so much of it just seemed to be just 
repetitions of the same thing. You know, just like how you would define your models um, and your views, you you could, all these other things could be defined just as well. The you know, sort of the Ajax calls and I don't know, uh, top to bottom, so that you could just maybe go through a wizard, um, you know, select your your you know views or model types and relationships and things like that, and it would just create this entire structure. And then you could go back anytime and add and edit, you know, these models and these views through a wizard-like interface, but then you could then override the behavior. And, and one of the things that reminded me of, or kind of maybe gave me inspiration of when I was thinking of it was back, if you remember um, Visual Studio, Microsoft Visual Studio back in the day. Rob, do you yep. ever use that? Do you know that? Uh -huh. I used VisualStudio.net, yeah, once .net came out. Yeah, so this is even, I'm talking back like 1994, 95, Visual Studio 1.0, 2.0. They had something called. Yeah, early VBs. Yeah, yeah, this is Visual C++ stuff. So this was like, you would go through this thing I called App Wizard, and you could define the kind of application you were going to build. And then you would, and then after, and that would kind of create the overall structure for the application. And then you would go and you would have a class wizard. And a class wizard, class might be sort of the, you know, like a model almost. And, you know, you'd go and define it, and then it would create like, event handlers and all these sorts of things. So kind of like that for the web. So that was that was essentially the project. And how long did you work on it? And did it, I, if I recall, it didn't make it to launch. Is that right? Yeah, it made it to, I, we probably worked on it for like, I don't know, a year and a half or something like that. Um, yeah. I don't know, something, something in that range. It, it was a long time. Um, and we got to the point where we had some, we had a half dozen beta users playing around with it, creating some applications, and you know it was pretty neat. I think what ha what kind of killed it was um, the well, two things. One was the the second what is it called, the second system syndrome. You know, when you try and do a, a rewrite of something and you right. never make it through and it thinks dies. Yeah, we had initially the whole thing was real, was kind of back end and it was all like PHP, and then I wanted to rewrite it in JavaScript so the thing was more like a single page you know, with a single page app approach, mm -hmm. be a little more interactive and rewriting everything in JavaScript. It just, I don't know, it just sort of lost momentum. And the other thing was, you know, that's kind of where I, I kind of came up with this idea of the, of your enthusiasm half-life, you know, it's like, how long can you go pushing on a project before you have any users or any revenue? Mm -hmm. And I think my number was maybe like a year and a half, you know? Yeah. And yeah. After that, if you don't have any users, I mean, I think it's safe. It's much safer if you try and release something in three to six months, three being right. a much better number than six. But, you know, once you get to like a year, year and a half, it just, I mean, you really have to have an incredible amount of enthusiasm and uh, energy for a project to, to sustain it, you know, without money or, or users. Oh, for sure. Yeah, my rule of thumb that I throw around is always four to six months. If you're not out there in four to six months, you're going to, you really have to be a, either uniquely motivated or just a unique kind of mindset person to be able to do that. So did you, was that, were you working on the side then? You were consulting by day and doing that on the side or was it full time? That's right. I was consulting by day, fighting crime by night, and then working on the app during the weekends pretty much. Yeah, nice. that, that that's, that's, that's pretty much it. You know, I yeah. mean, we would, we would work on it, you know, I, I kind of remember, I think, so Guyon, he, during that time, he lived in Norway, um, between England and Norway, I think, and so we would, we would sort of collaborate for like an hour to two hours a day when, you know, he was home from work and it was evening for him and it was sort of like early afternoon for me, and then I would, some, I would oftentimes put in, a, you know, three or four hours on the weekend, you know, or more, whenever I could, you know, fit in the time. Right. Yeah. And Justin, do you, uh, this is the fun part is Justin gets to weigh in now. So Jason just 
described Epic Night, what happened and why it failed. Do you is that is your take similar to his? Yeah, I do. I mean, I remember him. Um, I I just remember him chugging along on it, and um, you know, we talk about it every week, and it would progress. But it was always it was always very uh, technically heavy. Um, the the work that he was doing on it. But I would say, I mean, I I don't have any like especially funny stories to say about it. I mean, I was really hoping that he would launch it. I guess I was I was encouraging him you know i probably would say it you know once every month or whatever hey when when do you think you'll be able to get that out there but um yeah yes let's see what so sort of my my post-mortem on it i mean is this you know when you when you when you have some really complicated um technologically um i don't know involved project you know, you, in, in the one hand, it's 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 good because you kind of create a moat. Like it's it's hard for other people to to copy you. But on the other hand, it means it's really really hard to get the thing working right in all edge cases. And that and that was the that was kind of the problem. Like and, and you know we we kept finding like areas. Well, we got to get this working better. We got to get that working better. And so we just keep going on and you know more and more time. And the other thing is that when you think of developers, in the end, they they kind of want control. Like you know, which means that they're going to use it, and they they might use it to generate some some code, and then immediately they're just going to they're just going to be like, ah, okay, I'll just write it from here. You know, because yeah, it's just that the 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 life cycle of constantly going, you know, keeping it up to date is is really difficult. And again, going back to like you know the '90s, you know, Rob, do you remember using like these um, the rational rows, like the object oriented design yeah. programs? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So you you would go to the program and you 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 you'd kind of you know, create all these boxes that represented classes and their inheritance relationships and, you know, contained relationships. And so you have this big, you know, big schematic. And then you, like, would theoretically, like, hit generate, and it would generate all the C++ boilerplate, right? All the header files and implementation files and methods and everything. And But then keeping that up to date as you're writing code was just too much of a pain in the ass, and nobody ever did it. <laughs> yeah, and I think that was kind of the same thing. That's one of the problems. In retrospect, it's one of the problems with creating something that's like a a code generation project. Yep, and I was surprised to be honest. Um, you know, I had seen so many ORMs come and go over the decades, and I was really surprised when Ruby on Rails worked. When for someone first told me about Rails, I thought, yeah, so it's another or like I've already seen things that can do that, but it really took took hold, and it it made it possible for in my opinion, like Django to follow, and now is it Laravel? I guess does that for PHP. It's kind of it kind of legitimized that whole that whole ORM space. I yep. suppose one thing, Rob, that I think about it um, is you know, in retrospect, looking at uh, what I'm learning now with Nugget, with you know, like a hundred customers watching them go through this similar uh, struggle. What I'm seeing and realizing is is that the people who follow the Amy Hoy uh, method, which is to find your market, to find your niche users, I don't know, for example, DJs or whatever, and then talk to them and ask them what, what problem they have and then build a product for that subset of DJs and then go and sell it to the rest of the DJs does seem to me to be the absolute best way to build a product these days. Start with a niche, yeah. That's basically yeah. the best way to build your first product. It's not necessarily if you want to build if you want to build like some something big like Drip that sells for I don't know, $100 million, you probably... <laughs> nice. You're trolling me on the podcast. <laughs> you probably don't want to start that way, but um, if it's your first, you know, stair-step product, that's the best way, in my opinion. Right. Yeah, cool. Well, let's uh, let's move on to Plugio. Um, sure. Justin, you want to give us some info, background on it, and then what how that all ended up? 
Well, really, the very first thing we ever spoke about on texting, I mean, our first conversation was about Twitter. Do you remember when Twitter used to be hot news? Indeed. <laughs> De devs used to talk about Twitter all the time. Well, that was our first conversation. And then I really wanted to just um, get the show out there and promote the show. And it seemed like Twitter was a great way to promote that show. So I just started posting really cool links um, and trying to build up a following that way. And then kind of quickly realized I could automate that process with with some scripts. And then, you know, it just in the in the vein of scratching your own itch, I continued working that through and made it as effective as possible and then decided to productize it. And then we got, I personally got super into the bootstrapping scene, uh, listening to you guys, um, te you know, tech crunch side of things, um, and Twit as well at that time I was really into. Um, and so or just that was, that was... This week was startups? It, yeah. No, not... Oh, well, Twist as well. Twist oh, okay. as well, yeah. But, um, but yeah, so that, so that was, that was uh, how, how the, pro the product, you know, came about and then launched it and just have been, you know, bumbling my way through since then. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you spent, what, four months building it, you launched it, and then you owned it for a couple years, and then you had an exit. Yeah, so, I mean, the one thing about, the one thing about it was is the whole thing about wanting to do something where you follow your passion that wasn't really my passion. So I would say, if you listen to the all of our shows, there's a lot of shows of me saying, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know, not really like following it up. So I, I, there was times when I didn't really do anything with it for months at a time. But then all of a sudden, I'd have some new learning about plans and pricing or something like that, and I'd get back into it for a few months. Right. So it kind of sputtered along like that for maybe three years. Obviously, it was always a side project. Um, it was never like a full-time gig, but yeah, I sold it. Um, it. The revenue I think maxed out at about four and a half thousand at one time. Um, but uh, when I sold it, it was around three and a half thousand, and I was able to sell it for a hundred thousand, which was a, a nice little exit. It's great to be able to say that you've you've kind of conceived of, built, um, and done every aspect of a project, and then sold it. Yeah, and what I agree. Yeah, that's that's the story in a nutshell. Jason, you have other thoughts on that? Well, you know, it's funny. I, I was one of the people that was really egging him on because he was trying to figure out – I remember discussions where he was trying to figure out how to make money online or other projects. And and I think it was Gabriel Weinberg and I were kind of pushing him on one show. To we like had a come-to-Jesus moment, I remember. That was – yeah. Georgie was quite – Georgie was a bit down on it, like uh -huh. you know, this is this is going nowhere or whatever. Right. And so I think I think that that show did kind of inspire me to move forward, and it raised the level of the. I think I was at something like two thousand a month at that point or something. Right, and, and you, so were kinda, that, you were kind of you were kind of you know kind of give up just because you I don't know you were just bored of it or just didn't see that yeah. there was you know much opportunity and I don't know I, I I know I thought that there was I said you know you should push on this I mean you have you have some users, you have some revenue, like why couldn't you double or triple it, you know, mm -hmm. at least. Yeah, and that was it. Yes. I think Gabriel kind of felt, you know, similarly. So, but again, that was one of the things where like the money, uh, your revenue and users was able to sustain you even though you didn't really have a passion for the project, right? So the ideal is that you have a passion for the project itself. And and then, of course, if you can actually have revenue and money, then you're then you, then you have everything working for you. But you know, you you were able to 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 I don't know work on this thing for what? How many it was three years or something? Four years? Yeah, but it also made a big difference to have you there, and you know, to also have discussions like that one with Gabriel, um, and maybe other discussions with Rob. Like when when <clears throat> whenever I had this kind of like, 
I, I was feeling this acute pain of building this project that was going nowhere. I would go and speak to people and say, what can I do? And, you know, often they would give me great advice. So I think it's really important to reach out to people and to ask people um, and to just, you know, admit that you have vulnerabilities during that whole process. Right, because it helps you feel, I mean, yeah, if you're, if you're unmotivated, you can get, it's like a sanity check, right? Someone can tell you, yeah, really, this isn't for you, go sell this. Or they can say, oh, you're just in a, a little dip, how long have you been feeling this way? Have you thought about the XYZ customer acquisition approach? And I think, J I like Jason's point of, you didn't necessarily love it, you didn't love the space necessarily, but having paying customers and revenue sustains you for a lot longer, you know, and maybe yeah. being able to stick around for three years, if you had zero customers, it just wouldn't have happened. You oh, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and what yeah. a heck of a learning experience, you know, to like get that out there and to have the experience of, of selling it as well. Do you remember when the, like the money hit your bank account? Well, uh, I do. I remember that day. That was a good day. Um, what, I, what I was going to say is that the learning, you know, you're right. The learning was important. And then the, the launch of, of Nugget, you know, was just infinitely easier, especially the learning that I was alluding to before of just launching something before you invest in building huge amounts of tech into it like I, th I really do recommend that for people that's a big deal because you you basically build something up um you you get a group of users and you essentially pre-sell something to them and in nugget it, it wasn't just a pre-sale because they were getting ideas every day so they were signing up but then you know once i had 100 users or so I was able to then look back at that data and realize okay now i know what i really need to build with nugget but you know it's that learning that was possible because of what happened with Plugio, because of growing with customers in that way. Yeah, that makes sense. It and then it gives you a lot of confidence as well, right? Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Oh, yeah. oh, I mean, the existence proof—it's ridiculous. Like, I mean, I kind of feel like, oh yeah, I could do that, you know, as many times as I need it now. Just launch something new—that yeah. wouldn't be a problem. And then from there, you guys, if I recall, moved on. You kind of went your separate ways for a while in terms of projects and just tinkering around and then i think any was next is that right <laughs> well you yeah. know actually now that you think about it, any food kind of helped kill app ignite okay you know because huh. J justin justin approached me with the idea he was talking about i remember we went out and got indian food with uh i think my buddy ken die went to, but i feel like there was one other person there do you remember justin who it was i i ken and uh oh i don't remember no no yeah, well, Ken was there for sure. Maybe it was cause I don't know. So we were sitting there, and you were kind of pitching me on it. You're like, let's do this thing together, and you give me all these reasons why I thought it was cool. And I was kind of hesitant for a lot of reasons, but in which we can get into that stuff in a minute. But um, so when we started working on it, though, I you know then of course that drained that drained my time and energy for App Ignite. And one of the reasons was that App Ignite. I mean, Anyfu was such a a simpler technical problem in, in business yeah. problem that we were able to build something rather quickly um, and get it out there and actually having people using it and making money like things we just talked about. And when that starts happening, this app ignite thing is just this sort of long-term commitment. You're just like, Oh geez, what am I going to do about this thing? You know? Yep. Yep. And so Justin pitched you on the idea and you, why'd you decide to do it? Well, you know, just to shut him up, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes no, that's I mean, the I'm best just, reason. Yeah, no, he, you know, it's like, it's one of those things where, you know, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an optimistic entrepreneurial type person. So it's easy to, I, I'm easy to get my, I, if I can get myself 
enthusiastic pretty quickly about a uh, uh, project, you know. And and between the two of us, like, oh yeah, we can knock this out. And you but know, it was also very close to a microconf. I remember we, we were beginning that project, and it was just a few months in. And then when we were at a microconf, we spoke to a number of um, people about it, and everyone was just so enthusiastic about it. Yeah, this is this is just great, you know. Yeah. And so I think that that created a lot of enthusiasm on our part. Yeah, and it just, but you know, that sometimes that enthusiasm, you know, makes you think it's an easier problem than it is, or it's easier technically, and and so I was like, I thought, oh, I'm gonna stop working at Ignite. It's like, oh, this is such an easy, a tri you know, trivial technical problem that we can just knock this out, right? Of course, that never happens. Yeah. That never, that that isn't reality, right? Because you know. Even if it is simple, which it never is that simple, then there's always things you want to do to it and add to it, and then there's all the business stuff you got to do. So, but it ended up just you know, sucking it, up all my time. In, in retrospect, we we didn't need to build anything, um, you know. And this is the kind of the point I keep coming back to. Just and that's proven by AirPair that basically didn't build anything. They they did exactly anything without building anything. They put up a landing page and just. Uh, put out a, a, a form for people to, to email them to say that they were <clears throat> uh, people who could do the work and also people who were looking for work. And they just kind of manually matched them up on the back end and grew the business from there, ended up in Y Combinator. Um, so that's kind yeah, of are they still around? Is there a still around? Do you have any idea? I think how so, yeah. yeah. Well, so, so yeah, so, that, yeah. That, that was a big, um, yeah, I mean, I've used them a number of times myself. So, you know, they, it's a good service. And, and, and you're right, the, the key learning point was, if you can sort of do the what they call the man behind the curtain technique, you know, not yeah. build anything and sort of test out the 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 business on a small scale, you know, and which you can usually do, uh, you know, just using paper and pencil or whatever by hand, and uh, without building stuff and, and wasting a bunch of time. And I've given that advice to a number of entrepreneurs, you know. Mm -hmm. Since then, have called me up and are like, look, do not build anything. Landing page, test it out. You know, if you get to the point where you can't scale, you know, with you know, just doing it manually, then that's a great problem to have. Then, then fine. Spend some money to, to you know, spend some money or spend some time building something. Fail so, fast. Fail fast and, and learn what you're going to fail at. Like what? Basically, the, the place that we failed really, truly with Anyfu is that neither of us were just into marketing it. We just didn't really want to be marketers. And essentially, it, you know, for, for Nugget, for example, that's not such a problem for me because I'm so passionate about it. But for Anyfu, I don't know, we just weren't into doing well, there the were, work. There, were, there, were, there were a bunch of problems. I mean, so there's one that we built we built before we tested it out, which was a mistake. Two, we tried to get a bunch of, of service providers before we had demand. And it's much easier... In retrospect, look what AirPair did. They just went out there and they would go out and try and find the demand, and then, yeah. then once they had the demand, they could go out and find, you know, um, service providers or consultants or whatever, right? Yeah. Where we we had to go out and sort of sell the dream to all these service providers, and then, and I, I think we did it backwards. The the other the uh, you know another problem which. Justin alluded to is that neither of us really wanted to spend time marketing it, and we we were both sort of builders, and we both you know the problem is too too many you know you had two chefs in the kitchen, and you both want to do things differently, and you both we both had different ways of doing things, and it's just you know it wasn't I mean that didn't work out well you, you know and and that's something that I actually I knew going into it was going to be a problem, and uh, it turned out to be which is that you know if you're going to team up with somebody make sure that you really have complementary skill sets. Uh, otherwise, it's it's um, you know you're you're really ha run the risk of 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 having a kind of issue where they're half the business nobody wants to do. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right, right. Yep, yep. I think I think you guys are on point with with both of those. Um, I think that 
it sounded like, yeah, you both wanted to do the same things and you didn't want to branch into the marketing. And then I think as developers, like if, you know, folks who listen to this, a lot of them are developers, the, the easiest part of all this is writing the code. We know how to write the code. It's all the other stuff that's scary and that has the most uncertainty. And that's the stuff you have to tackle first, right? Like, does anyone mm -hmm. care about this? Will anyone pay for this? And as much as we don't want to hear it, that's really, if you're going to start an actual business, what you need to, to look at first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, well, I want to move on to another uh, pr project. This is probably a shorter one, but you guys ran the, T the TZ Summit, the TechZing Summit, a couple times. Is that right? Did you do it twice? <laughs> no, no, no. We only did it once. We only did it once. We, 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 we thought about doing it a second time, especially right after the first one. We had so much fun that we, we, um, we you know, really thought we were going to do it, but we just never got around to doing it, I guess. Got it. But that was, it was super cool. You basically had a, what, about 12 people and you went out to dinner and hung out for a couple of days in Pasadena? Yeah, I, it was, you know, I mean, I'll give my perspective and then Justin can get his, tell you his, but I mean, it was, it was so super fun. I mean, it was, yeah, it was like about a dozen people. Um, and I don't think we, I only knew, I think Jeff Welpley was the only person I actually knew per, um, you know, actually in per, had like an in-person relationship with. And so everybody flew in and then we, um, you know, we, we did is rather than renting like a conference area in some hotel, we just reserved a breakfast, lunch, and dinner's time at all of these cool restaurants in old Pasadena that were a walking distance from one another. And we would just, get yeah, everyone would go for breakfast and then we'd go meet at a coffee shop after that. And it was just basically like this rolling, you know, you look at like a pub crawl. <laughs> It was kind of like that, except for food. You know, you would just go mm. from one to the next, and we'd have this, you know, huge couple of tables together with everybody surrounded it, and you know, in just having these really involved conversations. And um, I don't know, it was a blast. What do you, what do you think, Justin? It was an amazing experience to meet so many different and varied people um, who all have so such different lives, and somehow find. Uh, some common theme through through our show, and it was just amazing to talk to those people. And like, I felt so humbled um, hanging out with them. And I absolutely loved the brainstorms that we did. You know, we did so many different brainstormings, and it wasn't just about building business; it was just about everything. I mean, it was sort of like it was sort of like a really informal TED summit. <laughs> I mean, we just had that. We we have a group of very smart listeners, and um, the discussions we had, I, I thought it was just awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That was impressive. I actually wanted to come and I was trying to think of where I was. If I was moving at the time or I was out of the country, maybe it was in the fall, right? I think I maybe mm. was running MicroConf Europe. That was like the first MicroConf Europe. So I, right. I was sad I missed it. And then, um, so after any foo, uh, Justin took a job at what's now Modern Teacher. And Jason, mm -hmm. the whole the time you were doing any food, you were running, uh, running. You were you were consulting for Uber, Isn't that right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, employee number seven. Well, I was never an employee. I was a. Uh, I, I okay, always person number seven. De developer number seven. De developer number three, I guess ish. Nice. Three or four, depending on how you count, I guess. Um, yeah. and that started in December of 2010. Um, so it was seven people total and a guy, uh, Curtis Chambers and I were kind of brought in together. Um, Curtis was sort of, um, uh, I don't know, I would describe him as Travis's right-hand man at his previous startup, um, in technical, uh, in technical terms. And he and I basically re-architected, 
you know, the platform and built everything out. And he came on as a VP of engineering. I famously turned down the CTO position, <laughs> but uh, agreed to stand as a consultant. And um, yeah, so that was going on. You know, funny thing is, is that when from December from December 2010 to June, I was building out the with Curtis the real time the whole real-time platform. And I was focused primarily on the actual dispatch system. And he was working on, you know, what's what we call the connection nodes. Um, and the, I was actually bound, I think I was doing two or three other, I had two or three other clients at that time. But there were, they, like the whole Uber was just one of three, I think at the time, which is kind of funny to think about. Um, but what, yeah. something I want to mention is, is that when, when that Uber contract started, there was there was no discussion about oh this is going to you know turn into this huge big company or something like that. The hundred percent of the discussion was just about how cool Node was, learning about the tech. You know, it was just another project. You know. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny as I, you know, I always tease Justin because he's always about you know this is going to be a billion dollar idea, right? You know, this is gonna, he, like this is the one he didn't say that about. <laughs> like That's he said no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we not no. neither of us really talked much about it. We did. Well, we didn't really. Yeah, it was just just there, there was no obvious insight that that was where it was going to go. You know, and and it yeah. wasn't until like a few months after that, I think maybe in the early spring, that maybe Uber raised a, a, an actual a round, a proper a round from like some big time VCs, and I was like, oh geez, I guess I kind of missed it a little bit. And but it wasn't like thinking this is going to be a Facebook scale company. It was like, well, this mm. is going to be a venture backed company, and you know, I I probably missed out on something. No, I, I I I like even even a year into it, or even more than a year, you weren't like thinking, oh, this isn't this is this going to be this crazy business until one time you came back from from uh, San Francisco and you were like, oh my god, <laughs> this is this is incredible. Like I started and there was seven people. Now there's now there's like five hundred people there. I just how did it happen? Well, I mean, my first trip up there, of course, it wasn't that when there were like 20 people or 25. That's, that, that's what I mean. So, so one time you came back, like you kept on going to uh, San Francisco and then one time you came back and it was like everything was different. You were like, oh my God. Yeah. I mean, you, it was sort of like You realized what it was. Well, it was like yeah. stop motion photography. You know, you just, you know, I would go up there, you know, I didn't, for the first year I didn't go up there. Um, I was, you know, just consulting remotely. In fact, Sandy had to buy me an iPhone. So I could use Uber when I went up there because I still had like a clamshell phone. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that thing. Yeah. I remember and that. so, um, yeah, so Sandy went up on an iPhone. I go up there and funny, I think I remember being picked up at the airport or trying to get an Uber from the airport and I didn't know how to use the app. <laughs> I had to call yeah, Curtis and like, dude, how do you use this thing? <laughs> do I drag the arrow or the what, what do I do? You know, and he's like laughing at me. Yeah, so um, – so after that point, that was like in sort of, I don't know, November of 2011. And then after then, um, you know, I made a sort of arrangement with Travis that I would, you know, give them more hours, you know, more of a full-time level of hours. And he would, um, and, and I w in return, I would go up there once a month for a few days. And so that started this stop motion photography <laughs> sort of thing where I'd go up there and it was just like exponential growth, right? I mean, it was like 20. 30, 50, 800, 120, you're just like, Jesus. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, we move into this, you know, we moved, you know, offices and then we have like a floor, this giant, uh, an entire floor of this giant building. And then, and then they build out, you know, two floors of this, uh, you know, custom build out of this, you know, this other building. And, and it was, and then every time I sh you show up there and there's like all these empty tables, right? There's like 15 of these gigantic tables, that are, you know, could seat probably 20 people 
at them, and you know, like three of the twenty are taken or something. And then every time you go up there, like the third time I went up there, we're all filled. <laughs> like I couldn't <laughs> get a spot. It was yeah. just, uh, you know. And the last time I went up there in um, April of this year, 2016. Um, I mean, there were people were spread out over mo- n- multiple floors and multiple buildings, and there were just thousands, you know, I think over 2,000 developers, and I remember walking around, I was waiting to um, go out to lunch with a buddy of mine, and see, he's like, yeah, give me 20 minutes after this, you know, this meeting's over, and so I said, all right, well, I'm just going to wander around and see if I can find some people to say hi to, and I laundered around for that entire time over multiple floors, and I didn't see a single person I knew. I mean, it was like, I would have had more luck walking around, you know, the airport uh, you know, in terms of finding, you know, running, happening to run into somebody I knew. That's how big it is. No, you know, so. Yeah, and a couple points of interest or points of note to kind of round out that that uh, topic is, first is Travis, the founder of Uber, was on the show, episode 63. That's yeah, that was, yeah, and that's before the whole, all the Uber stuff, right? Yep. I mean, that was, when was that? What does, do you have a, um, a date? You tell, a date no. on that? I, we'd have to look at and he was you you could get a sense of the kind of guy he was i mean he was talking he was talking a tough game i mean he was he was a fighter you know mm-hmm. yeah cool. well, he, he gave us the, he gave us the, all the um the backstory on um on, was it uh, scout was it scour was there their startup swoosh, was it no 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 this is this is prior to that this was in right. um uh you know, this was the UCLA-based sort of Napster thing. There was like six of right, them, and they right, got right, sued yeah. to the tune of like ten trillion dollars or something by the, the, you know, the music and you know film industry associations or something. And so he turned around and created Red Swoosh, which you know effectively licensed the same technology um, to those media companies, which is really funny. So I'm looking at it right now. It was published in August of of uh, 2010. The interview with Travis. Was, yep. So. What that means is, like, he had started, um, you know, he and... Um, it uh, existed. Yeah, yeah, yeah he and Eric Camp had started it. They launched it, if I recall correctly, they launched it at the beginning of June, and they paid one driver to drive around all day. And it took a month before they actually had... And they, and they didn't do any real marketing. They just told all their friends and stuff. And by, by the end of June, um, in one day, they had 10 people take rides in that car. And that's when Travis said, oh, okay, this is going to work. And so, you know, I guess by August when we interviewed him, he, you know, maybe they have a couple drivers driving around, a few drivers. It's still pretty small. He didn't even mention it on the show or mention it to me. I didn't even know about it until he called me in December and was like, dude, you, you're, we're doing this startup together. You're going to be the CTO. We're moving to San Francisco, you know. <laughs> I'm like, what? Yeah, like, what do you slow do? down. Yeah, this yeah, thing will never work. <laughs> what I, I I was like you know art you know high frequency trading artificial intelligence that's cool like cab company not cool like yeah. I don't want to spend life working on a like a limo or cab company that just sounds really like kind of right I don't know just Love none that. of us knew how big you told me about it early on and just none of us knew how big it was going to be right it just we didn't think it was going to take over the world everybody says their thing's going to take over the world this one happened we, to do so. Oh, I remember one particular conversation where he, so he, we had like two or three phone conversations where he would call me up and say, he's like, oh yeah, and I've been running the numbers. It turns out the more people use Uber, the more they use Uber. And I'm like, get out of here. What the hell are you talking about? Yeah, that sounds like a tagline or something, right? But he was, yeah, the more they use it, the more they use it. It's like, (laughs) and I'm just like, I'm like, you're just, you're, you're getting high on your own supply, man. He was onto something, right? But you know, he was onto something, but you could know, you couldn't know that. 
Well, you know, like my, my in my background in like uh, in the in the sort of the high frequency trading world is like, you know, people would come up with these trading strategies, right? They come up with this trading strategy and they back test it or they'd run all these tests and they'd say, oh yeah, it has like these incredible you know risk reward characteristics and it never loses money. And you're just like, well, you screwed something up with the algorithm. You clearly ran, you screwed up your test. You're 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 doing somehow. You're looking ahead in the data or you run it too much on the same data set. So you're you're just fooling yourself. With the statistics, you know, and I figure he must be doing something that with it wrong with a spreadsheet to make him think that the more they use it, the more they use it. But uh, you know, I guess eventually someone actually does create something where it is like crack. You know, it happens. Yeah, and you uh, to, kind of, to kind of put a capstone on this, you um, w walked away with some stock. Is that right? You got options even as a contractor. Which is yeah, a yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got I got lucky in the sense that you know like that that for that first trip I told you about and was like November of 2011 when I went up there and and I mean, it was the first or second trip and and then uh, Travis is like you know he basically said hey man listen really appreciate all the awesome stuff you've built um you really you deserve some equity and I'm like I kind of was like shrugged you know I was like okay you know like oh you know uh, okay great if you want to give me some equity that's Great. I mean, I, you know, it was still just like a 20 person company. So it wasn't like I, you know, really thought it was going to be thing massive. And, and it wasn't a lot. I mean, it was, it was a kind of thing like, you know, I looked at it and I was like, there's no way in hell I'm going to stick around for four years vesting to, I think it was like, what, like $7,000 in options or something. Right. I mean, give me a break. Um, and it was like if you had handed me a hundred dollar gift certificate for Amazon, I'd been like, thanks. Like, you know, I would have been generally appreciative that you gave me this gift certificate and I probably would have stuck it on my desk and forgotten about it, which is exactly what I did with the, uh, the options, uh, contract. I just completely forgot about it. And it wasn't until like, you know, a, a year later, year and a half later, you know, and I had, cause I had continued to do consulting work because, you know, it, it was a good paying consulting gig and it was good consistent. Gig. Yeah, it was a good gig. It was consistent and it was fun stuff. And, you know, it was, it, you know, so I just did it. And then all of a sudden, like, I don't know, I'm, let's say a year, year and a half later, I turned to Sandy and I go, oh my God, have you seen that piece of paper? <laughs> I was like, we better find that because that's going to be worth more than anything <laughs> we were ever going to own in our lives. And, um, of course, I had lost it. Um, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but Travis remembered, hopefully. I did. I was like, this is just my luck, right? You know, yeah. you know, I deserve this. But I, I called up Jesse, who is the, um, he was sort of like the acting CTO, the finance director of finance or something. And I said, hey, Jesse, man, do you have a copy of my consulting contract? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. And then it's like, oh, and my options grant. And he's like, oh, yeah, no problem. And I was like, oh, thank God. You know, so. <laughs> probably one of the kids that used it for a paper airplane or something. Oh, man. I mean, it was just lost in a bunch of facts. So, you know, and everything, ha you know, and so I was able to... Wait, 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 wait. I thought I was the one bumbling my way to a billion. You sound to be doing a pretty good job of that yourself. I did everything I could not to make money from Uber. Everything. Turn, you know, not trying to like, after three or six months, realizing it was going to be something to, to kind of maybe get some equity. Um, losing the ec option grant. You know, I kind of lost track of it and didn't exercise options earlier when I could have. And so I had to pay a lot more taxes on it. So, I mean, I basically did everything I could to, to, to not you know, make money from it. But amazingly, it, uh, it actually, you know, worked out and, you know, obviously I'm extremely, feel <laughs> extremely fortunate that it has. Totally. But, uh, you, yeah. you know, yeah, you know, event, you know, so that's, that, oh, oh, you know, ah, I had some of the funny little anecdote. Oh yeah. Here's one thing that uh, was really funny. Um, you speaking of Jesse, the finance guy at uh, Uber. So this was actually like a couple years into it. He called me up and he's like, hey, Jason, he's like, can you provide a reference for Uber? 
<laughs> like as a, for like a bank or something. And I'm like, you know, because they had been paying me as a, a consistently for you know how you know year year and a half, year two years. And so I I actually served as a reference for Uber. Is this huh. is funny? Think. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they pay their bills. They're a good credit risk. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just ridiculous, right? Yeah. No. But, one. you know, anyway. what, 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 what you have to say, though, about uh, the last thing about the Uber thing, it is, you know, just like, so we're, we're, uh, where Justin looks at Plugin and is like, look, what I, now that I've done it, I know I can launch something again. I know I can build something. It, it is this sort of existence proof. It gives you sort of a confidence. The, the Uber thing, you know, having been part of Uber and seen it when, you know, it was just a handful of people when, you know, just making and literally just designing architecture on the fly. Curtis and I sitting here designing the code sitting here in my home office in Pasadena, you know, and then now looking at it, it's, it now gives me the confidence, or at least the, the the sense that you really can change the world. Like a small number of people building something, building the right idea, and executing furiously on it. Like you can build something world changing, you know. Because I've I've been it. I was like I tell you, I've been there. I just did it. I mean, I did it by myself. I was a part of a, you know, a team of people that grew into a massive number of people. But you know, I've been part of it. I know it's possible. Yeah, yeah. I th- nice. But I think we should couch that with. You know, to do it, A, you probably, like I bet Travis had some decent connections going into this, right? He had a network. He is also an incredibly fierce competitor and a very intense personality. So it's probably going to take a certain type of person. And I think it also, I'd imagine he sacrificed quite a bit along the way, you know, whether that's time with his family or uh, sanity. I mean, there's a lot of things that you, he's been all in on this thing for what, six years, probably all I mean, by all in, I would not be shocked if, and you'd probably know better than I, but the, the dude probably works 80 hours a week. Yeah. He just lives it. I mean, yeah. well, first thing, if, if you go back and listen to episode 63 and you can see like, you know, Travis, you know, went to hell and back for red swoosh, you know, I mean, he was living at home and that was for years and years. And, you know, he finally made that into something and was able to sell it and, you know, make, you know, I don't. He, it's like he was, you know, Uber style wealth, but he made millions of dollars, which served as a platform to do something after that, you know. And um, yeah, it's like you know, but he didn't go to Harvard, or he'd have some, you know, you know, white shoed, um, you know, sort of lifestyle. I mean, he went to UCLA, which is you know, good state university, and he, you know, but he he built, he made his his, you know, he made his luck. You know, it took years and years of building on certain types of success and pushing through failure and stuff. But, you know, Uber is sort of, you know, an outlier for sure. But it is the result of, of lots of, uh, of sacrifice and effort over many years. For sure. Yeah. And then Justin, um, kind of rounding us out maybe on the project so we can move on. There's a couple other things, uh, memes and, and famous blog posts and stuff we still want to get to. Justin, you are working on Nugget. And you and and Ken launched that um, mm-hmm. what a few months ago, and then now you're you're working solo on it. And it's around four months ago, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's a, a nugget, a new business idea every day. Is that right? Well, so <clears throat> that's kind of like the 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 drug to get you in, in theory. But ultimately, the larger the larger goal is to create. Um, a, if you go to Nugget homepage, you'll see it says startup incubator and community. So truly what, what really excites me is working with entrepreneurs to help them to help change their lives, just like it's changed my life. You know, I, I just love this stuff. So, um, you know, the, ba- the basic aspect of it is, is that one of the hardest things for me has been 
to find a good idea. And you'll you'll know that because I keep on emailing them to you over the years. I'm like, is this one any good? Is this one any good? <laughs> and you come back with really great responses and, yeah, well, their issue with it is this or there's another issue with it here. So um, one day I just started thinking about that problem of, of finding ideas and thought I, I wish there was a way that I could just make, I could really learn how to do that well and um, stumbled across this idea of using a Mechanical Turk and basically submitting the HIT to say, to, to, to as many people as I could on Mechanical Turk, basically saying, you know, um, what problem do you have in your life that could be solved with software? And at this point, um, I've, uh, I guess, paid for over, over 2,000 of those ideas at a buck a pop uh, to come my way. And um, I've really had the opportunity to, to understand how to vet them and you know, work out which are the good ones, and really, it boils down to that old that that thing that I mentioned a few times in the show, which is, it's it's a market, you know, it's a market that has a problem. That just makes life so much easier because when you have a market with a problem, then you actually know how to find those people, how to advertise to them. Um, but anyway, so so that's what Nugget is. It has around 100 subscribers right now, and at the moment, I'm doing a lot of. Um, talking to, I guess, about 25 of those on Slack to try and help them push push their product through. So I'm I'm doing a lot of that. Sounds cool. And you have revenue, is that right? Yeah, revenue. There's, um, it's pulling in about 3,500 right now, nice. which is which is kind of Plugio's peak, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So that's, you know, within within kind of a four-month period. Um, it's, it's stalling now because I'm not actively um, promoting it because now that I've worked with these users, I've seen and understood what the, what this thing really needs to be. So I'm building a actually a completely adaptive learning platform. Um, that's that's news to Jason because it wasn't quite going to be adaptive, but I've I've realised it has to be adaptive. Um, so it's it's basically this build your own adventure learning platform about how to you know build a startup every step of the way. So that's what it's turning into. Yeah, I heard you guys planning that out on the last episode. If there's one piece of advice I could, I could inter- chime in here with, it's yeah. not to try to boil the ocean with this first iteration of it. I know that yeah. you know making it a learning platform, or, or I'm sorry, a, would you say an interactive or a, a like a, a adaptive? Adaptive. Yep. Yeah. Um, that sounds, like, that sounds like V3 yeah. to me. Like V1 sounds like, are you launching a WordPress plugin? Then here is your thing. And that's all you have. And if you don't like launching a WordPress plugin, then this doesn't work for you. And then V2 is add, adding SaaS and adding, you know, maybe small marketplace and downloadable software. And then V3 is perhaps, I'm, I'm throwing this out. You're closer to the problem than I am. So I'm not necessarily saying what should be in each phase, but to, to try to, you know, spend three months, six months, building something I think is a mistake um, and is going to kind of take you, take you down the path of building without validating. So, so it should just, so just SAS then. Oh yeah. Just pick, pick some, pick the most popular and then you can, it's like picking a niche within a niche, right? You're, you know, I mean, you're, you're like choosing that first. Um, well, I don't think it should be a WordPress plugin considering I know nothing about that. Yeah. 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 That was just an example, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. SAS is what I would do personally, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And even like a subset of SaaS. So SAF was it like a business facing or something? Right, like B two B B two B SaaS. B two B SaaS. Yeah. That's probably yeah, a good idea. Because because whatever those, you're the most comfortable with and that you understand the best. Right. Because those steps are, the, you know, that's the thing I've always chimed in with is like 
I want to build businesses that are repeatable and that have some type of process that I can repeat over and over. And I did that with a bunch of early small apps. I did it with Hittail, did it with Drip. It was always the same damn thing with just a minor, uh, you know, not a minor, there were some were major, but uh, just some some derivatives and, and derivations from what I was doing prior. And so you can at least give some type of playbook out there that's repeatable. Whereas if, you, if you're trying to build a, you know, whatever, a, a funded marketplace for taxi drivers, you know, I, there's like no playbook for that, right? So it's like yeah. you gotta you gotta pick the things that you can that I think you can uh, instruct people on and do those first and do them well. And heck, I could see that taking you months and months with the iteration, right? You might get it out in a few weeks, but then people are gonna say, well, this isn't working or this is going too much or too fast or too slow. And then you're just solving one problem, making it better. And by the time that's really good, then launching the next branch of it or the next type of it, I think it'd be. Helpful. It's true, yeah, it's true. So then you could start going into the decision tree process at a later stage. Well, let's uh, let's jump into some memes. Did you see uh, that Jason? Jason's he, just. I, he'll be right back. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be fine. We can we can proceed without him. We'll zip through like five of these things at this rate. All right. Wait, no, Jason. Sure. No, but um, <laughs> there. Oh, nicely done. Slam. Nicely you done. like that? <laughs> Yeah, that's good. Um, that's no, but that perfect, perfect case in point. Like discussion about um, Uber, and you like, okay, let's put a capstone on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it's like fifteen minutes later. later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm so glad Jason can't hear us right now, and we'll never hear us. That we're not being recorded and subjected. Unless he listens to the show, which he does, yeah. he will, he will to do the show notes. But anyway, this will be our little Easter egg for him. I know. I was. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there were there are actually quite a few memes in the wiki. So that you guys have a wiki, which is techzingwiki.com, uh, as we talked about earlier, and there's a lot of a lot of cool stuff in there. Uh, there were several memes listed. I just picked a couple of them. The first one is uh, the madness, and this was, if I recall, it was a term you coined on a show that I was on at the time. I think the huh. three of us were talking, and I remember you saying. Yeah, it's like I, I'm like have madness or something. I'd, I'd actually be interested in going back and listening to it to hear how, I think it came about right on the show. And then I remember yeah. saying the madness, that's a great thing. And, and you like, uh, you had just like coined this term. So um, yeah. I to tell folks what, like what it is, what it means. Well, the madness is just where you have this, this, you think of an idea and I think we, we all do this a lot. <laughs> Probably, uh, I mean, I do it very regularly, like certainly once a month. I think of an idea like some kind of potential business idea or some interesting software idea or, or even some even even a blog post i mean just something that but then it gets in your head and you have this all-consuming kind of brain attack about it like just this madness you know you just i've and i'm really i get it from um 28 days later like i think of those those zombies wandering around with red eyes just kind of going to attack people that's what it, it sort of feels like it's just totally overwhelming you um so yeah that's that's really the madness and this is why i have a 48 hour waiting period for myself on purchasing domain names interesting Dude. Because when you have the madness, you start, you figure out. You yeah, you hour. do. You spend like a hundred bucks and that's like you yep. just buy 10 of them. Oh, I've done that. It's, you know, uh, Ian from, Ian Schoen from Tropical MBA calls his uh, GoDaddy account the Boulevard of Broken Dreams. And that's exactly <laughs> how I think of mine. I have deleted, I've let so many domains expire that I never used because I had the madness and went and registered them. 48 hours that's good that 48 cool? hours because but well is, is do you think that it takes 48 hours i mean well so another thing that i didn't mention about the madness in in my case is i pretty much just have to do it 
I have to think about it. I have to focus on it for a couple of days. And then finally it wears off just like, like a fever will wear off, you know? And if, if I, if I don't do that, I never get it out of my head. Yep. I could see that. Yeah. So I will work on an idea. I just won't buy the domain name if that makes sense. And if I get huh. to the end of that 48 hours and I've done work, I'm typically kind of like, ah, I don't know if this is going to work or not, or I don't know if I want to pursue this or whatever, uh, then I won't buy the, the domain. Otherwise, I'll plunk so, on the eight bucks. You, one, one question. Now that you've um, sold Drip, uh, are you thinking about new things or is your intention to just uh, fulfill the, I guess, whatever you've signed to stay there for X period of time? Yeah, I'm not thinking about new things right now. Um, I, to be honest, the negotiations, just the whole acquisition process was so intense. And it was about, <laughs> end to end, it was 13 months, but the intense part was about five and a half months. And by intense, I mean, it was, it became all consuming at a certain point where I just almost couldn't run the business. Um, mm. And that was, that was only four months ago that that ended. The, and during, right after that, we relocated to Minneapolis. So I just have no, I have no headspace to be thinking about anything, no energy, no, you know, to be thinking about anything outside of my job, which is running drip within lead pages. Also, I'm still running, th there's three microconfs now. There's two in Vegas and one in Europe. And hmm. I do two podcasts, Startups of the Rest of Us. And then I do one called Zen Founder with Sherry um, about the startups family and life. It's like the mental side of startups. Uh, and so my life's kind of full with stuff. You know, I don't really want to add anything else. So I haven't been... Do you have a thought? Sorry for just turning this back on you, no, no Jason. I just, I just want to ask one question. So do you have this thought to yourself, okay, I'm going to, uh, you know, Drip's now this kind of professionalized company thing inside another company. I'm now going to like strive to double its revenue within 12 months kind of thing. Is that how you're thinking about things right now? Yeah, I mean, I'm really, I mean, so to be honest, Lead Pages, their marketing engine is one of the best uh, SaaS marketing funnels in the world. Like, I truly believe that. They are phenomenal at this. So I don't, I, my marketing acumen is pales in comparison to what they do. So the revenue mm. growth is not really why I'm valued. The revenue growth, I'm sorry, the, the reason that me and the team are really um, uh, important is because A, our knowledge of the space like of mm. email marketing, marketing automation, as well as our knowledge of how to, of the product and then how to educate people on how to use the product, right? So we have developers who are building it and the product leads, which is Derek, my co-founder and myself. And our value really is pushing the product forward and saying, what is next in this space? What are the next features people want? How, what do we build? What's the roadmap? How do we build it? How do we do it with amazing UX? And then how do we educate? Because we have like a Anna, who is on our team, is now the drip educator. Um, and so does that make sense? It's like more around the product itself, whereas like mm. marketing, we hand it off to their department. So you're so you're not yeah. thinking about you're not thinking about goals, you're thinking about kind of customer happiness kind of thing. Yeah, that and goals of like getting these features out. Like I know what we want to put into our visual workflow builder. So my goals are to get those into production, you know, to like build cool stuff and get it out there. So Yeah, I mean I I use drip for Nugget, by the way, and I love it. Oh uh, cool. So. Just Thank you, man. Thanks. Thanks for, for sure. building Drip. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We've enjoyed it. It's still, and to be honest, I mean, the past four months, we've, you know, more than doubled our engineering staff. We've more than doubled the number of servers we have. We've launched a free plan. Like we've done things we could not do as a bootstrap company. I just did not have the money to do it. So it's, that's been one of the big advantages to, to doing this is it took a lot of the stress off of us and allowed us to focus on what we do best, you know, which is, although, I mean, you guys, 
you know, you know, I'm a decent marketer. I'm not, I, I'm more of a product guy than a marketer, you know? And so to be able to hand that off, hand off support, there's six full-time support people now, I didn't hire any of them. <laughs> well, I hired the first one. The lead pages just did it and customer success and accounting and HR and legal and all those things are now off my plate. So um, it's been good. One thing that I noticed, which is kind of interesting is, um, you know, when I sold Plugio, the, guy, the, the people who bought Plugio are not, you know, uh, they, they're not keeping up with it. So it's just, it, it's half, it's, it's well past its half-life and it's just gradually, you know, whittling out. And I still feel it like it's my baby, even though it isn't. Oh, interesting. Like, I guess for you, you, it's great because you feel like this is your baby and it's yeah. going to go really, it's just going to keep going far. I'm still, yeah. I mean, we've, the number of customers is, I don't even know at this point, quadrupled or quintupled since the acquisition. <laughs> it's like crazy. That's amazing. Yeah, it's wow. crazy. That's fantastic. Um, so yeah, so it's nice to have more people using it. It's always, you know, exciting to do that. So, well, welcome back, Jason. Well, thank you. We didn't um, talk about you at all. We didn't. Okay. And we were talking no. about some memes, uh, Justin, <laughs> okay. just to find the madness. And the one that I think that you have to go next is a luck surface area. Could you tell people kind of where that came from, what it means? Yeah, well, I think it was part of a conversation that, uh, or an interview a show that Justin and I were doing with uh, Gabriel Weinberg of, of DuckDuckGo fame. And... It was kind of. I was trying to describe what he. I was trying to put into uh, simple terms what he was describing that he did, and um, you know, basically what it is is that your luck, your your so the luck is the stuff that kind of happens to you that you don't isn't a direct result of something you did or at least that you were intending to have happen, and so when but when you go out and you do stuff that you're passionate about. Um, and you tell a lot of people about what you're doing, however you're telling them, whether you're telling them in person or whether you're you know, telling them on a blog or a podcast or Facebook or Twitter or whatever, um, you're increasing the chances that something that you didn't intend to happen is going to happen, something good. Um, and that's all, it seems like that's happened to me over and over in my life. And so it's just – you know, and the idea of like a, a, a surface area, it's almost like a, I, I sort of in my mind picture like a solar panel, you know, um, and the solar panel, the, you know, the, the Lux surface panel is, 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 uh, <laughs> is like um, an area that's defined by the amount that you do multiplied by the amount of people you tell. And the, the more of both that you do, the bigger the area. So, you know, if, if you think about it, like as if, if you just do something you're passionate about, whatever it is, and you don't tell anyone about it, nobody knows about it, you're just sort of like a mad scientist in the basement. You know, it's like you may have invented, the, uh, you know, a cure for cancer or something like that, but if nobody knows about it, not much is going to happen. Or if you don't tell anyone about it, no one's going to know about it, and of course nothing can happen. Um, and vice versa, if you just, you don't actually do anything, but you're always talking to people about what you're going to do and what you want to do. I mean, you're just kind of a bullshitter. You know, you're just a, you're just a talker. And, and the world is full of people like that. And, but, it's a, but if you do both, you really put your cha uh, yourself in a position to succeed. But I, I think it's kind of rare that you get both. I mean, most people don't do much. Most people just talk about doing stuff. And the people that do do stuff, they do it for a short period of time, and they don't do it to any extreme degree or whatever and so it just kind of falters but if you can't get yourself to execute furiously on something and 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 uh, you know and, and the way you do that of course is being passionate about whatever you're doing you know working on stuff that you're passionate about and then of course go around and tell people about it then i think you're you've set the stage for 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 great stuff to happen 
I'd forgotten that um, it was on Gabriel Weinberg's show, and it's interesting because he put out a blog post of mental models that had been really helpful to him. And um, there was, I don't know, a hundred different ways of thinking about the world. And Lux Surface Area was was on that. So uh, obviously... Yeah, it was kind of neat. That was a neat yeah, shout out for cool. him. And, you know, yeah. it's funny. It, 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 it's made itself into like a, two or three different books. Like people have, you know, authors have emailed me and said, hey, can I get you know, permission to use this graph or this in my book or whatever. I've had to sign a few documents to that effect. And, um, and it made, what made it into the dictionary of ridiculous business jargon. Hmm. <laughs> that's kind of cool. That Which, is very cool. Uh, that's, that means it's really, it's really become something of that. Point. I consider that a win. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that is a win. <laughs> yeah. I use it in conversation probably, I don't know, once a month, once every two months. It just, it just makes sense. You named something yeah. that we all think about, but you yeah. just gave it a three word name and it, you know, it's helpful. Yeah, it's it's funny. Uh, yeah, I guess when you talk as much as I do, eventually you say something. Like, say something smart. <laughs> Even a stop clock. Like, hey, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. that this actually leads us in, in, you know, in terms of other ways that you've kind of influenced uh, that, you know, the broader tech hacker startup culture. You both have have written several blog posts that have kind of. Um, you know, become popular and, and been gone up to the top of Hacker News and have been just recurring recurring themes. Uh, we'll see how many we can get through. But Justin, one of yours was called Entreporn, the fallacy that wastes your life. And that was about folks who, what was it? It was like who just read the magazines and read TechCrunch and think that that's what it takes to be an entrepreneur? Well, it was more along the lines of what I, what I had felt, the frustration that I felt with my own life, that I had been kind of drawn to this idea of of being funded by... VCs and the whole glamour that goes with that. So, you know, the stories that you have about Mark Zuckerberg um, or, you know, uh, Snapchat, all these stories, and, you know, they're billion dollar valuations, they've raised 20 million, they've done all these different things. And, and essentially, it sets you up to think, um, okay, it's, it just really sets you up to think that that's the, uh, that's the only way to make it. You know, that's how you can build a startup. So if you really want to build a startup and, you, and that's the only way to make it, then you have to kind of follow that path and you have to do all the things that they, that they say in that path. And that would include, you know, learning how to talk to investors and learning how to build pitch decks and learning how to do business well and all that type of stuff. And when, when I got into the um, bootstrapping space and was speaking to you and to Amy Hoy, it's just just like the wool was lifted off off my eyes. So I was like, "Holy crap!" There's just this other way of doing things that I just didn't know about, which is just this this you know really simple way where I can build something for myself. And so that's really what the blog post was about. It was just saying, you know, it all. I guess the blog post was a little bit me expressing my anger that there's like ten thousand developers out there who were just trying to go down this funded startup route that's basically really it's like trying to get through the eye of the needle when in fact pretty much every one of them has a chance to build a bootstrap business right and, that and that's really what it was about. i the phrase i've been using i don't know i started saying this maybe a year and a half ago i said people everybody's trying to build build uh, let's see we, we're here to build businesses rather than build slide decks like I say that about microcom, yeah. I say that about people who yeah. listen to our podcast are here to build businesses, not slide decks. Um, another, there's, dude, there's a book you should not read. It is so irritating. It's called You Only Have to Be Right Once. And it's just a series. It's like 20-something <laughs> chapters. And each one is like, you know, the story of Mark Zuckerberg starting Facebook, the story of the dudes who started Snapchat. And, all, and so you hear them all and you're like, well, this just happens all the time. But it's like there were 10,000 other people trying to do the exact same thing. And I just, I got so frustrated with it that I raged 
rage quit and deleted the uh, the Audible book off my iPod. You know? I mean, I mean, even trying to get into Y Combinator, if you look at the statistics, it's like you know, thirty thousand people submit, and what like thirty people get chosen. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's it's like what all the time that you're spending trying to submit yourself to Y Combinator, you could actually be building a bootstrap business. <laughs> right. And <laughs> you know? Ask, it's the asking for permission that's that really bothersome, right? It's like waiting for someone to to dub you, you know, yeah. sir, startup, and not just going out and taking it for yourself. Because taking it for yourself is is hard. It's scary. You don't know if it's going to work. Um, but, anyways, okay. Well, we can <laughs> we can do a whole show on just that topic. But but, uh, but I mean that that is essentially the genesis of Nugget. That's the reason yeah. why I give so much of a shit about it. I mean, it, it really does come from those from from that blog post uh, and that type of thinking. So, Jason, a couple blog posts. Pick one. One is how I screwed up my Google acquisition, and the other one is why I quit algorithmic trading to do web startups. Which one do uh, you think is most interesting to tell folks about? Oh, jeez. Um, I'll just tell you one thing. that the, the, the why I quit algorithmic trading blog post is the best lead generation machine you oh ever created. Oh, my gosh. If, if only you wanted to be an, a, a high-frequency <laughs> consultant. Right? It's like, just <laughs> tell people, yeah, tell no people you don't want to do something, and you get yeah. like five emails a week for the yeah. rest of your life. It is amazing. You know, I mean, I haven't gotten as many last month or so, but quite often I would get an email once a week or once every couple of weeks from some someone trying to start a high-frequency trading operation or someone looking to hire somebody to build some high-frequency trading technology or, or whatever. And yeah, that's I've, I've received emails like that for years now, and it's just ongoing. And it's almost one of those things that's actually more of a pain in the but than anything else, because now it's like I get this email from someone, and and they, you know, and I and I want to be respectful, so I got to give them a response, or maybe they're asking a lot of them are just asking my advice for something or the other. But um, and obviously this is something that I'm interested in pursuing, so it's just this thing I have to respond to, you know. Um, <laughs> but it's on yeah, the internet. Yeah, I mean it. <laughs> it just it's just one of those things that I I think because high frequency trading is an, is an, is a world that people don't talk about. The insiders don't talk about, right? They're not. They don't want to give away any of the secrets because it's you know very much a zero sum game, and they don't want to invite on more competition by talking about how much money they're making or whatever. So, it's you know the culture of it is 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 very much one of secrecy. Right. Uh, but since you've quit and you've talked about it, you probably rank pretty high in Google for it. And people are like, well, this guy quit. So surely he doesn't have any secrets anymore. Right. You know, it's like, or he's willing to talk about it. You know, right. he'll, 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 he'll tell us secrets or something. And, um, you know, and I, I guess I talk pretty, me, me, I, mean, I must have come across as being fairly confident about mm -hmm. what I was saying. And so mm -hmm. that's, that's like what people would comment. They said I was, I seem very real and genuine and, and, and that I, seemed like I was a real expert. So that's why they wanted to talk to me or work with me or hire me or whatever. But um, yeah, it's, you know, had I intended to, 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 be a, to create a Legion um, blog post, I don't think I could have come up with something quite as good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Funny. Um, but, you know, I, 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 you know, speaking of, you know, when you talk about like, this isn't a blog post, but this is something that um, we've talked about on the show a number of times. And this is advice that I had given uh, you know, I think probably since 2000, I don't know, 10 or 11, numerous times, which is, um, you know, if you want to make yourself, if you want to, you know, generate a lot of business for yourself, consulting business or whatever, um, find a new technology that's that's just starting to appear, but that not many people know much about. Um, start 
you know, teaching yourself how you know about it. Start learning it. Start, but but document what you're doing and 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 write a series of tutorials, maybe instead of just making notes to yourself. Write like a hello world, and then the step, you know, phase two and phase three and phase four. And pretty soon, because you've written, you're the only person who's written anything about it. Like you become the de facto expert, <laughs> right? And yeah. I've had a number of people contact me and say that they've done stuff like that and it's worked for them. And and one of our listeners actually did that and then wrote a book on what was it like Mongo? What was it called the Bean Stack? Is that is that right? The Bean Stack, which is like Mongo and Angular and Express. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Node. Whatever. Yeah. Node and um and that that. He he did the same thing. He wrote some blog posts. Um, then the a publisher contacted, wrote a book, and then that's turned into him speaking engagements and consult, <laughs> kind of high paid consulting stuff. And he's like, yeah, man, I did just what you're talking about, and it worked perfectly. So that was pretty. Well, cool. you you've given some great advice, and I don't know whether you've got this on your list, um, Rob, but I'll, I just want to bring it up. Like, sure. there's some advice that Jason's given, like for example, by Tesla. You know, and, and uh, different, yeah. <laughs> like that made you know thousands and thousands of dollars for some of our listeners. Um, so hundreds yeah, of and, and um, hundreds of thousands, and also this, you know, this you you've basically built someone's entire career from that advice. So nice. And just wow. to be clear on Tesla, it wasn't advice necessarily. It was Jason <laughs> talking about what he was doing, in case any lawyers are listening to this. Right? Yeah, yeah, right. That's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. But that was that was uh, yeah. I got lucky on that one for sure. Ben Reyes bought bought Tesla at what thirty <laughs> two. Yeah. He well, he bought it at thirty four, and then it went down to thirty four two. He emailed me, and he's like, he kind of got nervous, and so he sold it. Oh <laughs> and no, I, Ben! Or he was thinking about selling it, and I was like, Ben, you, look, you're not a you're not a trader, you're an investor. So just buy it and walk away, and you could check back in in six months or a year. Think of it in the five to seven year time frame. And so he took my advice, and and you know, of course, he. You know, Tesla has done very well, you know, for him since then. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, Tesla's Ben is one of our big winners on that on that one. I think a few other people emailed me and said that they had that they liked, thought what I was saying made sense, and so they they put some money in and, and made some money on it. So that was cool. Well, and I also bought my one Tesla share. I did good <laughs> nicely. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, uh, I remember that. That's right. Oh, you remember? Do you remember we were talking about Bitcoin and there was a some some kind of like business school professor somewhere who was talking about how Bitcoin was going to go down oh, to like was, yeah. two dollars, ten, ten bucks uh, within within the year or something. And and we I I remember commenting this is just utter bullshit. And that was I remember it was you're you're still living in your apartment. So this is like two how many years ago? I think it was like four years ago, three years ago, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So it's clearly not at, at Bitcoin. What is Bitcoin at? Like six hundred dollars or something? Seven hundred and four. No, that didn't happen. Yeah, so I should have I should have held on to my Bitcoin because I was I bought at three hundred. Yeah, it's gone thousand. way up and down since then. I mean, it was yeah. up over a thousand at a certain point, and then it dropped way down into the I think that even the two to three hundred dollar range within the past year. Now it's back up to seven hundred. So it's it's a volatile thing. We'll see it. Yeah. do these swings. Seems to get a nice little lift when countries have monetary issues you know when there's mm. people are trying to put money into something else and they can't get gold very easily and they know that bitcoin is some type of instant store of money so so let's uh i got some other stuff oh let's talk about about some of your most notable guests and see if um because i was just surprised looking through the guest list i had not remembered that you had had 
Patrick Collison, co-founder of Stripe on the show. I'm sure yeah. I listened to the episode, but do you guys have, have much memory of that? And was that early on in Stripe's days? Like, I don't know that he did super, as many. It, it was super early, and he, but he was just a really smart guy, like just smart as a whip. Um, and it was a good, a good solid interview. I, I would definitely recommend people listening to that. Yeah, he came yeah. to MicroConf last year, and I, I did a QA with him on stage. He just volunteered to fly down. I guess he has his pilot's license. He flew down from San Francisco for <laughs> just for <laughs> the day. Yeah, it was, yeah, it's such wow. like an international man of mystery. But um, he showed up, did a Q&A, and, and then I wound up having dinner with him and, and a few of the other speakers. And dude is just off the charts smart, like very, very yeah. intelligent, very humble, extremely nice. Yeah. Like I'm, And I've heard John, his brother, is the same way. So I'm... Uh, I'm like super happy for people like that to to kick ass and have a company that's worth five billion dollars. I think it is like so happy, you know that that yeah. people like that can can make this work and happy for him. Yeah, well, he um he like won some like national programming competition in Ireland or something. Like he and his brother won it. Like his brother's like one or two years younger than his younger brother John, who, who they started uh, Stripe together, and uh, so they're both you know built like that. Both super bright. Right. How about uh, Jason Kalkanis came on? How, I, if I recall, did you just email him out of the blue? I did, yeah. I, I followed that up because um, I thought that it was, I, I thought, because he basically was the godfather of our show, basically, it's, it was through him that we met um, the very first episode of uh, This Week in Startups. Jason called into, wondered what he, what he could do with his project, Prezo, which was uh, essentially going nowhere, but he had this great code base and um i think jason's advice was open source it but um any, anyway um i looked at prezo and saw that uh jason lived just down the road from me so i reached out to him and then we had coffee and then i was like dude this sounds like a podcast you and me talking <laughs> let's let's record yeah. a few of these <laughs> that's how yeah. the whole thing started yeah well you you yeah. you said you suggested that and i'm like well how are we gonna do the audio and you're like oh i'm like you know i'm a, I'm, i have a music background i know all about audio so i'm like all right well cool let's try it but you know one thing we said right out of the gate which i thought was kind of good advice for and a lot of you know it, it's it's good advice for a lot of situations which was we 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 committed to doing 10 shows no matter what do you remember do you remember us saying that mm -hmm. yeah yeah even no because we were you know we had a feeling that we were going to be disappointed in our first few shows, and we were. I mean, I remember we we were kind of talking a big game before for a show, thinking, "Oh, this is going to be good, and <laughs> this is we'll do it this way, and this will be fun." And then we both listened to it, and, or at least I don't think we listened to it. We just after recording it, we were both really down on it. We we're really depressed. Do you remember? Well, I do, but I but I think that is a common thing that happens with podcasts because you've told me a number of times, and I've told you, as as we're recording a show, I'm thinking, "Oh, it's it's shit." But then you go back and listen to it like a few days later, and you say, "Oh, it's not actually that bad." So yeah, I well, think there's that a lot is, of yeah. there's a lot of times where you 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 feel like you say something that it's really stupid, and it might be kind mm. of stupid, but the reality is we all say stupid things throughout the day, and nobody's really listening that closely anyway. And they <laughs> they kind of understand what you mean anyway, even though when you misspeak or misstate things or you, you know, or you're kind of unclear. Um, and, and and even and, and sometimes you think you'll say things that are controversial and you're like oh my god I'm gonna get all kind of hate mail for this and nobody cares <laughs> and mm, you're just yeah. like oh phew you know or or when you listen to it you're like ah it doesn't sound that controversial I'm not, I'm not no but sometimes it. and you say things that you think haven't yeah, there's not controversial in the slightest and then people get upset about it that's that's also weird do you remember any, any instances like that something like about sometimes about you know preferring one language over another language there was one incidence where. Oh, you yeah. mentioned you, you mentioned something about San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, 
Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, it's the kind of stuff, I mean, you know, you, you could talk politics on our show and nobody's going to care, but you, you start talking about dynamic versus static languages, static type <laughs> languages or something, and well, boy, you better be ready for a fight. <laughs> so yeah. it's really funny what people, what people get emotional about. So you guys are, I have more content to dive into, but I wanted to stop and just ask kind of a process question. Like you guys are 300 episodes uh, into a podcast. What do you think each of you has gotten out of this, of having the show? <laughs> That's a great question. Because I, cause let me just predict Jason's answer. Yes. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I've got nothing out of this podcast. I've just given. I've given so much to you people. For six years, and I have got nothing. Is that true, Jason? <laughs> Did he just quote you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I guess I've said certain. Well, at least in terms of like financial gain, I can't say that I've reaped any financial reward from the show. I haven't gotten any consulting contracts or you know business relationships that have that have that have, that have put any money in my pocket at all. Um, whereas all of everything that's happened to me that's been a financial benefit or from personal relationships that I developed, you know, on different random places or in different random ways. So, but if you talk about like, if you, if you take away the money part and you say, look, let's just not measure it in terms of dollars. I mean, yeah, it has given me a lot. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, when you, when, you know, the people say sometimes, you know, you should write because it clarifies your thinking or it, 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 it really helps you figure out what it is that you think. And, and I won't say like recording a, a podcast is the same, you know, engages you to the level of, uh, that you would be if you were, say, writing an essay. But sometimes just talking things through or just talking about stuff, um, you know, puts your mind in a different state and, and, and helps you think through it a little bit more. And it's also, um, it's almost like a heat sink for me. You know, I have, I tend to have so many things that I'm thinking about and so many things that I'm doing and um, I get to talk about it on the show, whereas I, I don't really have an outlet for it uh, other, than, other than that. Or a lot, a lot of times I just haven't had an outlet for it. What do you think? What about you, Justin? Well, obviously for me, it's been, it's been massive. Um, I think the number one thing that I've got from the show is it's helped me know more that sounds kind of trite. It, it's not just the knowledge, it's also the unclouding of the magical thinking. So I think when I first met Jason, you know, like I, this is also part of the fuel behind something like Entreporn. Like I think I had a lot of magical thinking and misunderstanding about, I don't know, many things in life. <laughs> and what I think is through, through knowing Jason and through doing, through doing the show, it's helped to, you know, just gradually remove that magical thinking and help me become the kind of person who wants to know what's inside the miracle function, you know, how stuff really works. And so that's one of the biggest benefits that I've got from it. But obviously there's other huge benefits like, you know, I, I started Plugio because of the show, you know, um, and I think that um, I've, I've made great, had great relationships with the listeners, you know, that have started because of the show. Um, I mean, I, I pretty much attribute my, my whole kind of career and my professional career at the moment uh, to, to kind of, making that decision to team up with Jason and, and continue this show for the last five, six years. Well, you, you know, one thing I, I would say too is, is, is about the relationships, you know, I mean, you know, my and Justin's relationship is really 90, 90, 95% the show. I mean, we occasionally will grow out to lunch together or something like that. But a lot of times 
you know, those conversations aren't nearly as interesting as the ones on the show because, and, and the reason is this, is like, I don't like to talk about, t- you know, show worthy topics with him because we just waste content. We have, we, it is in- inevitable that we start talking about it and it ends up being the most interesting conversation we've had in two months and we didn't record it. And I'm just like, damn it. You know, this is why I don't want to talk to you without recording stuff, you know? And Justin always laughs. He's like, well, what's the big deal? You know, but I always get frustrated by that. So what we end up talking about are the things that we can't talk about, which are usually more personal issues and stuff. And I, frankly, it's just not as interesting as the stuff we talk about on the show. Right. So my, my, my yeah. conversation with Justin are among the most interesting conversations that I have with anyone generally, I think, uh, you know, I, and then it's, you know, the, and of course it's, you know, you know, I wouldn't have known Rob. I wouldn't have known you or met you had it not been right. for this. Or, yep. Yeah, Weinberg, or you know, we've we've met a lot of great people, and we've made some really good friends through the show. So, I mean, of course, that's worth in a lot of ways. That you have to say that's worth a lot more than money. That's not measurable by money. So, um, right. you know, I, I mean, I I definitely have much more of an, a network. Um, I you know because of the show, I haven't say leveraged it financially, but I mean I guess it's there and that it's something that I could leverage in the future if I needed to professionally or, or whatever. But um, yeah, I mean it's it's really interesting. I mean uh, it's sort of hard to describe what the show is. It's it's more than just like you know um, you know like say someone writing a blog or something. I think it's it, there's a community aspect to it. There's personal relationships. There's I don't know. Yeah, and we we don't you know the funny thing is we don't do that anymore. We don't bring on guests um, because we don't kind of have a reason to. So that 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 type of um, growing that we used to have we don't really have access to. Although we could start doing it again. You know, I mean it's it's like. You know, every time you say we don't, I always like, well, maybe we should. <laughs> you know, I was like, <laughs> I hate, I hate defining too much about what we are. You know, it's sort of like whatever we feel like doing. You know, we go through periods where we record a lot of shows, and then when we don't, and there's time we've done lots of interviews, and there's times when we don't do that either. And, um, and uh, I don't know. I mean, it's just, you know, this the show evolves kind of like along the lines of like what we have time for, what we're interested in doing. Um, you know, what we're trying to accomplish. Um, so what crazy you know, idea Jason has. Yeah. What crazy idea I have, you know, whatever, but like catalyst. Um, exactly. Exactly. So I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that we don't do it. I would say we haven't done a, a, a lot of interviews in a while, but you know, I'm not opposed to doing them. I've just been so busy that, um, I just haven't, you know, been able to think too hard about, you know, lining up guests and stuff, but mm-hmm. yeah, you know, yeah. It, the one thing that's great about the show is that if you decide that like, someone who's really interesting you want to talk to, at least you have a reason, you know, for contacting that they might actually be, re- be responsive. You know, if you talk to somebody who's maybe not famous, but like, you know, known in their field. And if you just normally just send people emails, a lot of times they just don't even respond, you know. But because of the show, you can say, hey, I get this person on and we can talk to them for an hour, an hour and a half, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah I think if you guys didn't have the show, like let's say you decided, oh, we're just going to, you know, make – episode whatever, our last one, I think that you would, I think over time, you would miss it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like something that you get used to having a few thousand people hear, hear your commentary. It's an excuse for you guys to talk and think about things that you otherwise may not. Or if you did, it would just be trapped between two or three people. But the fact that you're able to do this, it like gets you exposure. It makes you happy. Like you said, it's a, you know, like a pressure, pressure release valve or a heat sink. 
Um, I feel the same way about my show. I have a weekly show, and we I have two weekly shows actually. Start us with the rest of us and Zen Founder, and with uh, sometimes you know it's just a bear, right? It's like oh gosh, I just don't want to record today, but but we have to because we have to ship it. But I like. I couldn't imagine not having those shows. It's like stuff would bottle up inside me. How else are you going to get out everything you're thinking about? Because we are, you know, you guys are interesting people. Like it's interesting to hear you talk about what you're doing. And so you, you know, you want to communicate that. So I think, uh, I think it's good. You've kept it going this long. Although for the record, startups for the rest of us just passed you guys. Boom. With 309, <laughs> 310. Wow. You guys were way ahead of us. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we I don't were. Know, we were 50, 80 episodes ahead of us, I think, early on. So, but mm-hmm. we we just 52 weeks a year, you know, we, we released a show. So ours are also a lot shorter and there's a bunch. I'm just talking smack, you realize? Yeah, that. yeah. That's... No, but, but we, I mean, there was, I mean, back in the day, you know, we used to record one once a week because we twice. just had. Twice. Was it, was it twice a week? Twice. Oh, we right. would do a weekend discussion show and a weekday uh, interview show. We did that for yeah. quite a while. Yeah, good point. Yeah. And we did that with the hope of like growing the audience. <laughs> yeah. But somehow we capped off at that 2000. But I'm still a great believer that one day we're going to we're going to have a late surge and we'll end up with like 10,000 listeners. <laughs> I really surge. believe that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm magic. I'm, is that the magic function? That's just No, 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 no. This, this is what I think. I think that over time our lo- both of our luck surface areas will just grow you know, through nugget and through through the uh, math academy that he's working on, and one day it's just going to all come back, and then we'll just get loads of listeners because of that. Yeah, enough, chalk it up. October first, twenty sixteen. Prediction was. <laughs> hey, so I have a few show titles um, that Justin actually pasted in here, and okay. then I just want to throw them out and see if it like because there's I mean there's some funky ones I don't know what a lot of these mean, so I'll throw right. it out and and you can say you don't remember, we can just laugh at the show title, or you can be like, oh, that totally reminds me of the story. Um, right. And then we'll probably finish up. I think we got, you guys good for like another 20, 25 minutes in that range? Yep, sure. Yep. Cool. Yep. Um, so we'll go through some of these, and then, you know, if, if we, I mean, there's like 50 of them here, so I don't know, we'll go through all of them. But then there's some other topics. I mean, we haven't talked about Math Academy, Catalyst. Um, you know, so there are other things that we should circle back to. Okay. But uh, one of the, this show title is Stack Overflow Hurt My Feelings. <laughs> Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, just that was like one of our very first shows. Maybe even like our first or second one, right? I mean, Justin, you know, Justin went on, uh, you know, and posted a question and, and gotten, you know, I don't know, he got his feelings hurt by someone. Like, people were being mean to him and like, his, you know, what he was saying or asking, which seems to happen to Justin with some frequency. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's because here's another show title. Justin Loves Hacker News, Feeling Not Mutual. <laughs> I think that one's hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. That's, I don't know what what is it, Justin? Why has that happened to you? Well, I think this is a this is another thing that's happened. You know, as as the the show's gone on over the years, um, I think <clears throat> it was just easy. It was just easier for me to be part of these you know online discussions and get and you know just get offended by stuff that people say. And um, I think my th- my skin just wasn't thick enough or whatever. Um, but uh, you know, once again through just being exposed and speaking to having 2000 listeners and just all the stuff that we've gone through over the last six years has made me a lot better at dealing with that type of thing. I think I was, you know, I was in a lot of, um, what do we, what did you used to call them? Tiffs. Yeah. You would get little tiffs. You get little online tiffs. Because I I, I would engage in it. I'd say that's probably what it is. The same thing happened with Jason, but he just doesn't kind of engage in it in the same way. Whereas I'll spend the, you know, when someone does something that pisses me off, I'll spend the rest of the day, like, trying to 
trying to get get back to you know get them to think uh, my viewpoints correct. But I don't do that anymore. Trying to think That's of a perfect good. zinger to enter into right. the into the forum. Yeah, I think being a like a you know what do you call it internet famous or a semi public figure will do that to you. It'll kind of give you a little thicker skin. I don't think most of us have that naturally. Yeah. Um, here's a show title. It says "Nagging Your Way to Riches." Do you remember that <laughs> this, one? This is this is this is another one for, about me. Um, oh, man, this is because <laughs> this is because with with Plugio, um, you know, during the episodes, we would speak to different entrepreneurs, and one of the one of the things that uh, I can't remember which entrepreneur it was, but uh, no, it was Peldy. It was Peldy who was basically talking about um, how he got all his money was by just nagging. <laughs> Nagging people, but so they would use balsamic, and then they would get a pop up, and the pop up would say, "Oh, you've been using balsamic for twelve thousand days, and you haven't paid yet." So I basically just implemented that exact same thing in Plugio. So, got it. That's what that was about. There's a lot of these shows. So Jason writes the show titles, right? Because he yeah. does, and it's often, a lot of them are about fun Justin. Of, yeah, making fun of his partner. Well, the <laughs> best one of all time is Justin Biz. I was just gonna say that. What was that about? Was he was he gonna buy a .biz domain name? Well, he Pretty was much. trying to convince me that .biz was cool. <laughs> <laughs> and I Plugio was trying to biz. Uh, .biz is not cool. It's never going to be cool. <laughs> I mean, just walk away. He's like, no, no, .biz is, is it's awesome. It's money. You know, and I, I just was – so then I was <laughs> teasing him about it. And so the naming of <laughs> .biz was just basically saying you are uncool. You know, I mean, that yeah. was it. So that, that might be one of my all-time favorites. Yeah. That's a fun one. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> oh man! And then TZ Wives setting the record straight. I think that was a oh, yeah. cla- that's a classic episode. Was that episode two hundred, if I recall? Yeah. And it was, it was your wife, my wife, on yep. the show. How fitting! Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's right. one of yeah. one of my favorite episodes, actually. If folks haven't heard episode two hundred, I would highly recommend checking it out. It's just a really good conversation between the the three of them, you know, and to hear the backstory uh, about having to have a you know about being married to a founder. Right. What was so interesting is how different our wives are from each other. Yeah. Perspectives on it, you know. Um, I, yeah, <laughs> they're just completely different types of people and how yeah. they deal with us, you know. Um, and and it, it was very, I was, it was very uh, true. I mean, the way Sandy talked about our lives and how she, um, you know, interprets what I do and stuff. It's, I mean, it's it's exactly right. And and the way that. Georgie portrayed her perspective on things and you know I mean it's it's definitely you know reflective of when he talks about how she feels about you know whatever project he's doing or whatever so it was, it was interesting it was interesting yeah. yeah yeah how about this one where the hell is my heisen machine <laughs> where the hell is my heisen machine uh <laughs> god i don't know about that one all right that will one. the real oh this is yeah will the real satoshi satoshi nakamoto please stand up that must have been around the time where they thought, yep. thought they found him in temple city and yep yeah all right and, uh, one of my favorites was this week in uh this week in holy shit yeah what was that was that when calcanus came on or no i don't even know what that one that, i don't remember what that one was i mean it, we must be talking about some news item um yeah. the what was um the future ain't what it used to be <laughs> Future, what do you speak? How about this one? Ass to grass. Ass to grass, right? Well, that was that was kind of when I was getting into the uh, weightlifting for the uh, Operation Superhero. Yep. 
and um, you know, doing squats. When you do, you know, because when you when you do squats, you're supposed to go down to your thighs are parallel, and ass to grass is when you go even lower, like your your butt literally touches the ground or almost, you know, and it makes it extremely difficult, and hardly anyone ever does it. But you know, I would also recommend if folks have not listened to the first five or ten minutes of episode one that they go back because Justin, have you heard that lately, and how thick your accent is, how different it is, and what it sounds like today. No, no, I haven't. Is, yeah. it, what, is, is my accent more English? Yes, very much so. And really? just because we're so used to hearing you talk the way you do now, I'm sure this stuff just evolves over time without noticing. But when Crazy. you listen to it, it's very, um, it's pronounced, yeah. So speaking of Operation Superhero, that's one of the topics I wanted to come back to if we had time. Um, okay. I think that's played a pretty prominent role uh, here over the past, what, year? And is it going, I know you got injured with the ankle and then you hurt the knee and the stuff. Are, are you in? Project Superhero Operation Superhero right now, or is it temporarily uh, on hiatus? Yeah, it's it's temporarily on hiatus. Well, it's been on hiatus for over oh geez, for a, quite a while now because okay. I injured myself. I accumulated three pretty substantial injuries: an adductor attachment, which is sort of a groin a, a ligament a tendon thing in my groin, and then uh, an elbow in at. Uh, tendon injury and then even worse than those was like I, I injured my lower back doing he heavy deadlifts so the, the the accumulation of those injuries really set me um back because i mean i i couldn't i really could lift weights lower body or upper body for almost, almost a year because especially because of the uh the groin and the uh elbow injury yeah, um that's crazy. so that was a real downer i mean i was really into it i was having a lot of fun um i was i made a ton of progress i'd gotten in myself in extremely good shape um you know uh but you know it's it's one of those things that i think and unfortunate but one of our one of our listeners said to me uh said on the wrote uh, 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 uh as a comment he's like you know jason i'm just a little bit of skeptic of this whole thing because you know once you get into your 40s it's just you just get injured too easily he's like every time i've tried to get in shape i just get injured and uh so count me as a skeptic and i thought he was being a little pessimistic but i've come to <laughs> kind of understand the wisdom of his words it's like once you get into your 40s it is really hard to push yourself physically without getting injured. I mean, you can you can do things that are sort of not, there's no impact or there's not a lot of wear and tear, but once you start lifting heavy weights and stuff, you got to be extremely careful because your body's just not as resilient as it was, say, when you were, you know, in your mid-20s, early 30s. Yeah, for so, sure. That's, yeah. I, I want to get back into it. I'm I'm still overcoming a little bit of uh, and 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 where I aggravated my back um, again um, in my shoulder, but I'm 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 as I haven't given up. I'm trying to get myself, you know, how, get these injuries taken care of so that I can I can start lifting again and, and and pursuing it. But I will have to pursue it in a more cautious fashion for sure. Yeah, I can't. I can't do. I, I'm not going to try and, and and do the same kind of stuff because what happens is like, you know, you can can lift weights and and make a lot of progress for three or four or five or six months, but then as soon as you hurt, hurt yourself, if you get a serious injury, I mean, you're done for months. You know, right? And then it sets you way back. Yep, it's like a year. You know, it's worse. It's worse than had I never done it in the first place. You know. Right. Yeah. So, and for folks who didn't know what Operation Superhero was, it was to dunk. Is that right? You wanted to dunk a basketball. Well, initially, initially it was just I wanted to get myself extremely fit. I was going to lose some weight, and then I was going to start lifting weights, get my body fat percentage down. And the way I kind of described it is I was going to get my 20s back, <laughs> you know. And so I started – and as I started – 
getting more into the training, I, I started to pursue a couple goals that I had always wanted to achieve when I was younger. One being able to bench press 315 pounds, which is like the 345 pound plates, which is an extreme amount of weight. And I had, I had hit up to 300 pounds, but I never got 315. So I was going after that. And then I started thinking, you know, the other dream I always had was that I was going to dunk a basketball, which for, you know, five, somebody who's five foot 10 is really, uh, would be really kind of extraordinary. Um, especially, you know, well, it's extraordinary anyway, but to do it when you're in your forties would just be unheard of. Um, so I started doing that and, it was interesting. I, you know, I did, I tried a lot of stuff. I did, I re, I've read every, you know, research paper ever written on, you know, on vertical jump or explosiveness training or whatever. And I actually ended up over about a three month period increasing my vertical jump nine inches, which um, I think was, was incredibly shocking um, that, that, that I was able to do that. And I would have been able to keep going. I mean, I was just really starting to get into it and that's when I got injured. So you touched yeah. the rim of it, right? You 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 were able to basically tap the the basket. I was a little bit over. I could go a couple, like an inch over the rim, but you know, which isn't extraordinary. I mean, you know, when I was, um, you know, say in my twenty early mid twenties, and I was, you know, in, in really good shape, I could I could do that. But you know, since my mid, you know, since in my early thirties, I couldn't. I had I hadn't touched the rim since my twenties. You know, and and when I was went out jumping, even after I had lost weight, I mean, I still was, you know, eight eight and a half inches below the rim at my highest jump. So, mm. it, so what was what was really cool about it? I mean, I was is that you're doing this thing that most people either seems like it's actually not possible or people who say they're increasing vertical, it's kind of like a scammy sort of thing that, you know, that, that nobody can actually increase. It's like increasing your height or something, you know, it's just not going to happen. But what I found from the research and actually training on myself that, you know, you can increase your vertical jump just like you can increase your bench press or something. It's, it's hard. It takes hard work, consistent hard work and doing the right kind of training, you know, like you're not going to get stronger just by doing push-ups beyond a certain point, but if you do the right things, your body will adapt. And that was really uh, an important and exciting sort of lesson. And while you were doing this, Justin purchased a uh, treadmill desk. Do you remember that? <laughs> that was one of my favorite so, stories. <laughs> so, didn't you so, have it for, use it for one day? So that- basically, I, I did purchase that treadmill desk. And unfortunately, I made the mistake of um, thinking that what I should do is I should operate it really slowly. And if I operate it really slowly, because, you know, the, 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 the thing you hear is, you know, don't overdo it. So I used it really, really slowly. Um, but and I wasn't really paying much attention to what was happening to my feet. And I used it for a day or two. And then I just, that was me. I couldn't walk. Because <laughs> I, I, I walk because of, I guess I, I just hadn't been walking for a long time. And then all of a sudden I walked for two days straight. Um, it just put me out of commission. Yeah, he kind of did. He kind of, you know, one thing that Justin would do every time when we were talking about working out is he would get, you know, like he would just get really excited about it and then just go to the and uh, just go it. over he would overboard it you know it's like Boys, yeah. i remember when when i was talking about hit training you know the high intensity interval training and you're like yeah. i'm gonna do it every day and i'm like dude you cannot do it every day you know you were trying to do it every day you would just you would you were so impatient and you were so enthusiastic that um you know you just didn't want to wait you just said well if i if i if three days a week i'll do this and i'll do it six or if like you know walking well, on the treadmill two hours a day we'll do it i'll walk seven you know and then and then it, it ends up either learning to, leading to one of two things and usually both burnout and injury 
Well, I, I've successfully been doing the um, high-intensity weights now once a week for, I don't know, I guess coming up to a year. So I've managed to turn around my thinking on that subject. Well, that's really good. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just, um, it's just, you know, being a little bit realistic, you know, about it. And, yeah. uh, but it yeah. sucks not being able to walk. I mean, you had that experience as well, right, Jason? You put oh, yeah. your foot out for a long time. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you were you were hobbling around for a good couple months, right? <laughs> no, it's so fucking annoying. And then and then every day I'd go in and see that stupid fucking walking desk sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> You still have mocking it. you. Did you no, I sold it. I sold yeah. it, but God, it's just so annoying. That's funny. Okay, so we got we got about ten minutes left. Um, either of you guys have any like topics you feel like we haven't covered that are kind of you know texting lore? Well, the well, I mean, I don't know if we have to talk about it. I mean, but the 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 we obviously we talked about Math Academy a lot in recent episodes, so we don't really have to get into it. But that's been a big thing. Um, Catalyst, of course, was something that. Justin and I did for a while. Um, what else could you think of topics that are worth considering, Justin? I just think that I, I'll just give a quick little list of some some things. I'm just reading out titles, and I'll just say a little something about them. So there's a title here, UFOs and the National Security State, because Jason became a little bit obsessed with um, with UFOs. <laughs> and really, you know, we encountered that uh, something, what's his name, something Dolan, Richard Dolan? Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, I was like I said that I can. I have to be. You have to be careful when you talk about this subject. I was interested in the uh, the military and government reports that you know, you know, were like some something would be seen by like caught on multiple radars and sighted by multiple pilots. I mean, I was like, what right. the hell is that? Like, that is really interesting. You know, I thought so. I was, yeah, but it was. We got the interview to guy. Yeah, but it was that. It was that one time that I went out at nighttime with you, Jason, and I found myself in the middle of Los Angeles at this UFO talk that was when i realized <laughs> oh that was yeah. crazy that you, was just you crazy. were interested <laughs> no 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 that was just that was it was crazy talk i mean that was, that's the thing about that subject which is actually, like that that was the last time you spoke about it again after that talk yeah it's just it's just <laughs> annoying it's like you know there you know it's, it's one of these subjects that like it, it could be interesting but it, it attracts all the wrong kind of like you know sort of inaccurate, um, mm -hmm. you know, fluffy, you know, thinking. And it's just, you know, and, and it becomes, you know, completely polluted by that. And so you, could, you couldn't even have intelligent, rational people really discussing the facts as they've been reported by, um, you know, uh, reputable primary sources. You can't have discussions like that because it just turns into, a, you know, ridiculous. And then, of course, it becomes a joke. And then it's just like, well, screw it. You know, I'm not going to talk about it because it's stupid. You know. Fear, okay, here's, here's a title, Fear and Coding in Las Vegas. Um, I love that show. That was a show that we did in in a microconf. We went up to the hotel room and did it. And there was, I think, there was a couple of people in the room with us as well. Um, but that was just a really nice show. And that, like, microconf was a great, a great little theme that we had going. I spoke at the first microconf uh, because Rob invited me. So kind of you, thank you. And um, then we went to the next few as guests, right? That's right. And we, we always had a lot of fun there. Just going through this stuff here. Justin's big left nav. I I don't know what that's about. Show titles. Big left nav. Down the memory hole. Down the memory hole. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was. Well, uh, you know, I I had. 
that was kind of reference to this idea I had for a project where, you know, you could like, you know, you would save things to like Instapaper or Pocket or something like that. Well, you could kind of like go on the web and just select text and then right click or something and it would save it. And then you would use sort of a spaced memory approach where you would periodically email you stuff or ask you questions about it so that you would wouldn't forget it. You wouldn't forget the the essential pieces of information from those uh, from those readings that you've done. So, so jokingly called it the memory hole. There's a know. title here: putting up the drywall at the new McDonald's. Uh, myself and Georgie were sitting down. We watched, oh, we were watching Office Space the other day, and um, this is obviously from Office Space. But anyway, this line, this this guy says this line in this movie: uh, putting up the drywall at the new McDonald's, and. <laughs> Both myself and Georgie cracked up, but not because it was funny, just because it made us think of you. <laughs> yeah, just putting up the drywall at the new McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was it was so funny about it. That he's like bra- he's like kind of like bragging about this thing that was just like you know it was such a ridiculous thing to brag about and that nobody cares about. So that's what that was sort of what I was referencing. I think I think you said something and it was uh, it was like you're almost you felt posting that it was like that. Yeah, you're posting. I was like. <laughs> And so then I said that to you because I thought it was so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the other ones? Uh, Burgermeister, Mr. Burger. Mm-mm. Oh, that mm. one. Son of a Horse. That was, I guess, Phil was on that show, right? No, that was with Colby, right? Oh, Colby, Son of a Horse. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's Colby. Um, yeah, that's it. Unsubscribe all. Unsubscribe well, some... <laughs> is that your instruction to everyone as we exit this episode? <laughs> no, no, that's, that's Jason. Done. That's Jason talking about like uns- like unsubscribing everything. And we had the year of no, except like every year for three years. <laughs> Y'all know even yeah. more. No. And then Jason would take on more and more projects. There is one here. It's like Confessions of an Overcommitter. And I right. think that's yeah. when Jason, you just kept saying yes to friends. Oh, it'll just be a, it'll be a five-hour project, and like three months later, you're still working. Oh God, it's yeah. so brutal. I mean, to the point where you made them sit down with you every time you I coded it. that. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That was a funny story. Yeah, where where your friend was, he's like, oh, can you just add this one more piece? And you're like, look, I know you think this takes like five minutes. I will add it for you. But you're going to come over and sit in the office as I code so you see how painful this is. And it, you, so you code for four hours and he'd just be in the office. And finally, he's like, for, forget it, right? I mean, you, you built what he needed, but he kind of moved on. Yeah, because it's like it's, 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 easy, it's easy for you to sacrifice my Saturday, but you want to sacrifice your Saturday? I'm like, fine, I will sacrifice my Saturday with you, but I'm not going to do it by myself because that just feels really unfair, you know? Did anything ever come of, of God's tweets? No, no. Which you know, I, I see. I thought the 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 structural, the structure of what they were doing had potential, and I had a bigger idea of how it could be cool. Um, but they picked such a weird little niche that I just I didn't get it. I told them it was not a good idea, but you know, they just wanted to do it anyway. So some some niches can be too small. You know, he said like some niches too small. Oh, yeah. There are there are niches that are too small for sure. Well, gents, I think we might be. Wrapping up here, um, for folks who've stuck <laughs> with you for 302 episodes, because wasn't one of them 0.5 and one of them was the last episode? Am I counting him right? Right. You've got it. Yeah. That's right. it. 302 episodes and now almost two hours of this episode. Uh, what do you want to say? <laughs> what do you want to say to folks listening? That's a wrap. I love the way you say We're out. I love the way you say <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I love the way you say almost two. And this episode we've been recording for almost 
two hours. <laughs> I, I'm like about to pass out, like drinking water here. <laughs> We're just getting warmed up, man. This, this like is a, this, yeah, this is yeah. This is a marathon session. You realize all my episodes are like 30 minutes or less. You know, yeah, uh, that's I'm funny. It's like, all right, when are we going to start talking about stuff? Yeah, we're actually going to roll. No, this is cool. It's, read the table of contents, you know? Let's get yeah. it. <laughs> it's really, it's nice to be able to dig in. I mean, that's one thing your show has, um, you know, that, that makes it unique is, and I know, I know it keeps some people from being able to subscribe because they can't keep up with a two-hour show, but I think the folks who listen to it really, you know, really engage because you guys go deep into topics and you'll spend 10, 20 minutes on a topic and most shows, uh, you know, really can't do that, so... My hat's off to you, gentlemen, for making it this far. Um, I think that the at least the what do you call it? The fake, you know, old wives' tale stat is that like most pod, ninety percent of podcasts don't make it past episode eight, and I'm not sure if that's true or not, but it sounds good. Um, certainly, most of them don't make it past you know the first ten or twenty episodes, as we you can see in iTunes, and uh, making it to three hundred is is a really big deal. So uh, I've been enjoying it, and uh, my hat's off to you guys for for doing this. Looking forward to the next 300 well, thanks oh, wow. so much well yeah thanks for uh, thanks for doing it rob it's been uh, yeah, it's been appreciate it's it. been great it's been great knowing you and i'm so glad we got to know you through the show and and uh, and through microconf and everything else and uh, and awesome being able to be a shareholder in drip has been it's really fantastic really excited about that <laughs> great retroactively that's that's great <laughs> that's right all right that's a wrap we're out <laughs>